Honors when you watch your mother go to work every day, make a minimum wage. Although you know in your heart that she's not a minimum wage woman. But yes, she's making a minimum wage. But then she can find that five, eight dollars it take to bring you to a WWE event. And then you look at her and you say, Mama, I appreciate that. So you go to school the next day and you do the best you can do for her and yourself. That's honor. What's your favorite crisps? I'm not a massive fan of crisps. Really? Yeah, I could go without crisps, actually. Uh, if, if I was going to have to pick one, it would probably be smoky bacon. I like the salt and pepper kettle chips. Well, oh, nice. actually, actually, you know what? The the old salt and shake that I used to get, like the little blue sachet of salt oh, that you yeah. had to put in yourself, because it, they weren't that exciting, Chris, and they weren't that great. But if you got two little sachets of <laughs> salt, it made you feel very special. And you could have mega salty crisps. Yeah, well, I think once I got about four in one pack, and it was like, God... So it's, it's a lot winning the lottery when you're like about eight, isn't it? Did you put them all in? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? This is probably really unhealthy. Probably is really unhealthy, but like when you've won the uh, child's lottery. The, the salt sachet lottery. Salt sachet lottery, yeah. All good. Mm. I quite like cheese and onion. I used to like the, the Walkers did a cheese and ham kind of ridged one for a while. Right. They, they were good. Yeah, cheese and onion are all right. Never been my favourite. So. I do like Pringles. Prawn cocktail, but you, you went off them, didn't you? I used, they used to be my favourite crisps when I was a kid. And then for some reason, when I was about 10, I just decided I didn't like them. So I, I can still vaguely remember when when they, when they everybody kind of transferred to like the foil packets. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. was like a big, big thing. It, it actually did improve the quality of the crisps. Yeah. Although you couldn't see them through that little crisp window. Anymore. No, which I always liked because you could see how smashed up they were. They were yeah. Or if there was a particularly specially shaped one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you never look at your scab that? Would that influence your decision on crisp buying? Well, for, for some people, some people like their crisps like very flat. Do you know what I mean? But um, some people like the ones with, with like a curl or a loop or something. So The ones that are like doubled over. Yeah. So I think, you know, having that option to review your crisp before you eat them is a, is a good thing. And welcome to episode 20 of the New Generation Project podcast, where we honour the heroes of Hulkamania and analyse the architects of attitude in looking at the dark ages of the WWF, the mid-90s. Today, we head to the great white north of Canada to look at In Your House 4. My name is Stuart Brooks, and I'm joined today by our very own two dudes with attitudes. It's the heartbreak kid, Paul Scrivens. I do break hearts. And big daddy cool, Adam Wikes. Hello. How are you both? No, I'm not too bad, thanks. I'm good. I've, I've just eaten a few things just before we started, so I just had a sausage roll. Adam kindly put it in the microwave for me, and I don't know this, but his microwave starts automatically. Well, our microwave. Well, your microwave. I was most impressed. I've not seen that feature before. Excellent. And, and then, <laughs> and then I went back to the microwave when I thought it was done, 
and looked inside and it wasn't there and Adam had already taken it out for me. What, what a, a mischievous devil. I think, I, think, I think that's a very friendly thing to do. I think yeah. just trying to... And, and we also out. watched Triple H do a Teddy Long impression on Smackdown and that was hilarious. That was genius. Yeah. Uh, I think the added genius was that he left two Teddy Long's music. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. We, we also watched like bits of cricket stuff, so there's some good stuff in there. It's a bit Rick, Ricky Ponting's masterclass. Ricky Ponting's masterclass. Big fan of Ricky Ponting, but we, we saw uh, Andrew Flintoff's kip up. Yeah, that was that was very good. Which uh, did you believe me when I told you about that the other week? Probably. Okay. Well, that's but, all right then. But you've seen it now. Yeah. And we also saw you eat a load of donuts. Three. How are you today, Stuart? I'm, I'm not too bad, thank you very much. And we also watched the other day. The latest PWG DVD, didn't we? Yes, we did. We thoroughly recommended it on Facebook, but just wanted to get some of your thoughts on the Young Bucks versus Candice LeRae, Joey Ryan match. Amazing, if disturbing. Very. I thought it was a very entertaining match, and, and those guys are talented. They're all talented. What did you think, Stuart? Yeah, it, it, it almost crossed the line into the sort of CZW stuff, which I don't want to watch, with thumbtacks in mouths and things like that, and a really, really hideous super kick. Yeah. <laughs> that you just thought... Probably the most hideous super kick yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the few things in a very long time in wrestling where I've almost like put my hands in front of my face and mm. gone, no, no, don't do that. And then they do it. But really, a, a standout, stunning move to finish the match. This episode, our challenge to you, the audience, was to theme an In Your House. So in July, we had In Your House 2 centred around Jeff Jarrett's singing debut. But we thought, what other gimmicks could you build a pay-per-view around? So here are some of our favourite suggestions. Are you ready? I'm ready. In your horse. (laughs) (laughs) Held in the middle of the Churchill Downs racecourse, this exciting event has everything a fan could want. Fun opportunities where fans can bet on both the horse races and the wrestling matches, a main event race where each horse is named after a stipulation, and the (laughs) stipulation winner is used for the main event match right after it. That is actually a genuinely good idea. That's very, and, and loads less disturbing than my brain took me to when you first said, in your horse. <laughs> <laughs> this event would be used to promote Connecticut blue blood Hunter Hurst Helmsley, who spends the event trying to groom his horse and ready it to win the big main event race, constantly being put upon by Arkansas hog farmer Henry O. Godwin. This will include a Kentucky Derby horse stable match between the two. Loser is the one dropped into a big pile of horse dung. Mm. That's very comprehensive. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's, yeah, that's yeah. very well done. Nice and work. it kind of makes sense. And also not wildly inaccurate from something that will happen two months from now. Yeah, yeah. So, In your house, man versus food. <laughs> <laughs> Big fans of that show, by the way. Yeah. yeah. King Mabel and Yokozuna face off in a main event of epic pro portions. <laughs> but first, they must battle it out in the biggest competitive eating competition of all time. First on the menu is a huge plate of pigeon and bacon. <laughs> <laughs> they'll enjoy that they will do followed by as much ice cream and gravy as they can handle <laughs> well you, you know what I'd happily sit down for that meal <laughs> <laughs> do you think you could beat Yokozuna and Mabel in an eating contest uh, I very much doubt it uh, my, my thing is speed <laughs> not eating lots so, so I can eat quite quickly I'm, I'm kind of renowned semi, semi-renowned for it whereas you you can eat a lot Stuart yeah but uh, over a greater length of time yeah, yeah. You're the sprinter, I'm the marathon Yeah, runner. it's like the tortoise versus the hare sometimes. Yeah, it is, yeah. Jerry Lawler is in your house. The oh, king shit. attempts to find his way to your daughter's bedroom while avoiding... You can't cow- read this stuff out, Stuart. ...by the big boss man. <laughs> there was a worse suggestion than that to do with Jerry Lawler. <laughs> that, that is the clean version. Yeah, that's amazing. Dread to think. 
<laughs> Owen Hart was the king of hearts, so to keep up the card theme, Owen Hart plays such card games as poker and solitaire against mid-carders like Duke Drosy and Mantar. But here's the twist. He's been cheating because he's a heel. <laughs> Q. Ahmed Johnson, who reveals Owen's cheating ways, and Monsoon books an impromptu match between Owen and Ahmed. Ahmed wins, then just gives cards to fans at ringside. And they could call it In Your House Supercard. <laughs> I like the little little details there, like the twist. Yes. I thought that was very clever. Yeah. In Your House Buried Alive, which is actually the title of a pay-per-view. <laughs> A five-on-five buried alive match between the team of The Click, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor Ramon, Triple H and the 1-2-3 Kid versus the team of Bam Bam Bigelow, Dean Douglas, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, Bob Holly and Bret Hart. Oh dear. That, that is very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Because they buried them. In your house, how much does this fell away? A tribute to Art Donovan. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's interesting. In your legend's house. <laughs> For one night only, the stars of Legends House battle it out for a spot on Legends House 2. Watch as Gene Oakland does his best to not get a harassment lawsuit as he co-hosts with Ashley Roberts. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Tony Atlas finally settle their feud inside a steel cage. And in our main event, the remaining cast of Legends House will participate in a battle royal for a spot in Legends House 2. Hmm. Yeah. I still need to watch Legends House. I was going to ask, have you seen any of that? No, I need to watch it. In your house, High Fidelity. Bret Hart must wrestle... Uh, a... uh, uh, there's a film called High Fidelity. There is a film, yes. Can, can you kind of clue me up on that a little bit before we get to the thing so I can find it amusing? It's nothing to do with the film. Okay. It's just a, the title's the film. Oh, okay, right. okay. But it's a great film, you should watch it. Yeah, yeah. In your house, High Fidelity. Bret Hart must wrestle a gauntlet of matches in the following locations. Female college fraternity, women's prison, a female-only gym, and a strip club. Not only must he beat his opponent by pinfall, but he must resist the urge to cheat on his wife. Okay. In your house, the IRS. The IRS helps the wrestlers complete their tax returns before their matches. Not after, as the tiredness may cause mistakes and we don't want them to be accused of being a tax cheat. No, we don't want them. He then puts them in a chin lock until the bill is paid. Good. I like the way that... I, was that written as the IRS in there? Yeah, it was written as the IRS, Good. yeah. Good. I'm, I'm liking to think that my original mistake is, is going to creep into the the, the general vernacular of, of yeah. The, yeah in your house diabetic dilemma the wwf haven't taken a huge financial loss only has the funds to support one obese wrestler with insulin thus mabel and yokozuna <laughs> battle it out in a pancreas on a pole match oh i just imagine the pancreas on a pole one two three kid and dean douglas host in your house for homeschooling <laughs> good idea in your house to the moon and back the WWF build a rocket to circumnavigate the moon. Unwilling to trump up the money to pay for a contract for Max Moon, as well as the rocket costs, they just send Mo. <laughs> in your house, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. The clique fight over a briefcase full of drugs that's hanging on a ladder. Probably happened. The smoking guns are currently competing in a rodeo contest, but also have a tag title shot at the pay-per-view. Can they make it to the show on time, or will their guns be out of bullets? Is that a theme so much as... It's an amusing kind of play on things. I'm not so sure it's a theme. I, I, but I really like the idea of that. That's what I was aiming for with this, was like double gimmicks. So Jeff Jarrett's was singing, and they centred a pay-per-view around his singing. So yeah, they could have the Smoking Guns compete in like a rodeo contest and then a match. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I kind of thought that was more of a kind of like Todd Pessingillesque link. It was. It was written yeah. in the way of yeah. a Todd Pessingill okay. link, yeah. We've probably got into that one a bit more than we should have. <laughs> <laughs> in your house, in your mouth. 
Watch uh, as Isaac Yankum fills a few teeth live at ringside before stepping inside the square circle to knock a few out. <laughs> That's genius. See <laughs> yeah, how that works. There's one here that just simply says, Hunter Hurst Helmsley has to work at a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> I suppose that's a double gimmick. Yeah. yeah, I see. In your house, Jerry Lawler, which throughout the show focuses on Lawler trying to upload all the recent leaked nude celebrity photos online as the FBI close in on him. Oh, very topical. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. In your house, the ring bell tolls for thee. With other two-job wrestlers getting pay-per-views built around their gimmick, like Double J, Bret Hart has to live up to his hitman name and excellently <laughs> execute... <laughs> Billionaire Ted, the Nacho Man, and the Hookster, who the Undertaker will then embalm and entomb. They also compete against each other in the undercard, while Sean and Diesel dick about not defending their titles. <laughs> in your house, everything clicks. Sean, Diesel, Razor, and the One Two Three Kid compete in an eight-man tournament to determine the pecking order of the company. Taker and Brett work it dark matches. <laughs> in your house, bigoted grandparents email forward. Okay. <laughs> WWF superstars Yokozuna, Goldust, Savio Vega and Barry Horowitz flex their stereotyped muscles when they reenact a super homophobic and racist email forward that an elderly relative has sent your way. Jerry Lawler provides commentary that sounds like it came from the email but was just stuff that was in his head all along. That's yeah, I'm odd. not sure I get that. <laughs> in your house, knees up. Kevin Nash versus Rey Mysterio in a stretcher match <laughs> with Triple H's special referee. In your house, in your face, Val Venus practices his money shot. Oh dear. I didn't know if that would cross the line for you. Adam, has it crossed your line? No, not really. The next one, Mike. In your hose. <laughs> Dedicated to the Godfather's hose, which you can literally <laughs> go in. As part of a match? <laughs> I like to think so. Interesting. This one sounds a bit like Game of Thrones, Adam, which I've not seen, so you'll have to confirm this for me. Okay. It's called In Your House, War of the Four Kings. Following Mabel's 95 King of the Ring win, two former kings, Brett and Owen Hart, plot to take down this pretender to the throne and ender of the Hart dynasty. The King Lawler also begins to plot his return to the throne and enlists the aid of two men from across the Great Pacific, Yokozuna and Hakushi, to do his dirty work. Things take a twist as Owen sells out Brett at the pre-pay-per-view dinner, especially shocking as Brett had already consumed his salt and bread. The main event is a four-way, three-man tag for the right to be the king. Brett, Bruce and Keith versus Owen, Anvil and the Bulldog versus Mabel, Oscar and Barry Horowitz as a masked knight versus Lawler, Yokozuna and Hakushi. Really well done. Yeah, like, that, that's... Very nicely. Is yeah. that Game of Thrones? It pretty much, yeah. And if everyone dies at the end, then yeah. That's, then yeah. yeah. But but also it gets Bruce Hart back on our show. Yeah, brilliant. And Barry Horowitz back under his night mask. Yeah. And finally, we've got In Your House, The Crystal Maze. Each match has a two, 2.5 or three minute time limit. If you touch the arena floor three times, there's an automatic lock-in. <laughs> Instead of saying manoeuvre, Vince plays a harmonica. <laughs> Jerry Lawler's mum makes another cameo appearance. The winners of the qualifying matches take part in a big elimination match in a crystal dome. The winner of that gets a free activity weekend in Bognor Regis. <laughs> that, that is very is good. Brilliant. Yeah, very good. I used to love the crystal maze. Anyway, those were all some great suggestions, so thank you very, very much again. Thank yeah, you. Great stuff. Remember a few episodes ago when we discussed Cowboy Bill Watts being appointed to a booking position in the WWF? It's, it's more than two days ago. Of course, Adam doesn't. <laughs>
Yeah, thanks for that. Do you, Paul? Vaguely. Well, in late <laughs> September, Vince gave Bill a vote of confidence in front of the locker room, endorsing the former Mid-South head and saying that all wrestling-related matters should be run through him. Then, on October the 13th, Watts parted ways with the company. <laughs> Why? Reports vary as to whether Watts and Vince McMahon had come to loggerheads over booking plans with Vince overruling Bill's decisions and Watts quit, or the other version of events is that Watts was only ever bought in on a three-month contract and simply left once the contract expired. Whilst a replacement is being sought, supposed retiree Pat Patterson is just back doing the same job he was months ago. Hmm. It does kind of seem that whatever happens, Vince always over overwrites everything yeah so you know you might have said bill watts yeah everything goes through him but then ultimately everything goes through vince anyway. right Let, so. let's be honest though if you're in vince's position and it's your company and you don't agree with something you'd probably change it mm. but if you're hiring somebody to be in a position where they are going to have the final say while you deal with other things yeah i, I guess to some extent though you'd in many ways you'd use it as a filter though wouldn't you so the, the, just the stuff that you think, like, meh, 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 that's fine. But then again, if you're the person that's been entrusted with this and then all your decisions just keep getting filtered, you would be pissed off. Yeah, yeah. So, But, but, but I do think if I, if I was Vince and there's something that was going to happen that I didn't want to, I would change it. You are a bit like Vince. I'm just loving it. I've got his walk. You've got it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, is, down, it yeah. is fantastic. That, that, that's my best impression. If we ever opened a Vine account, the first thing on it would be Paul Scrivens doing Vince McMahon's walk. <laughs> And the McCain walk. Then you can walk. So, Shawn Michaels hasn't had the best month then. You've been waiting for this one. Yep. Let's go. First off, with the majority of the clique off wrestling in Europe, Michaels was confronted backstage by Ron and Don Harris, a.k.a. the Blue Brothers, apparently over a comment that Shawn had made about them being rubbish. The brothers slapped Shawn around the face and pinned him up against the wall and basically said, I would beat the shit out of you, but it's not worth it. Okay. Oh. They, what, what, what happened with, with, with them then? There was little that Sean could do about this with none of his allies around and the Harris brothers were out on their way out of the WWF anyway. So it's possible that they just thought, fuck it, and decided to give him a bit of a slap before they left as there was nothing really could be done to them. Uh, that's on, uh, good, good on them, really. I can yeah. imagine that being quite scary for Sean Michaels, really, because they're big, big dudes. Yeah. Let's be honest, he probably deserved it. Yeah. Even worse would come on the night of Friday, October the 13th. Accounts very Friday the 13th? Yeah, ooh, I hadn't noticed that. Well, actually, statistically, it's quite a safe day, isn't it? Is it? Well, there's, there seems to be kind of, I think, the, the... People are more cautious. Yeah, and do less risky stuff because it's Friday the 13th, thus making it a relatively safe day. Well, yeah. Sean should have paid attention to mm. this then. <laughs> Accounts vary wildly as to what actually happened on the night. So, first off, let's look at Sean's versions of events from his autobiography. <laughs> we, meaning Davy Boy Smith, the 123 Kid, and himself did a show in Binghamton on the 13th and decided to stay overnight in Syracuse en route to a show in Utica on the 15th. Upon arriving in Syracuse, we checked into our hotel and told some folks in the lobby that we were looking for a good place to go out. They said, follow us, and we did. This was back in the time when we did stupid stuff like that. They led us to a small club. Everyone in the club knew who we were. It was one of those places where I felt like Fonzie. The women were all hey. over us, and I'm sure this didn't endear us to any of the guys there. I don't want it to sound like I was God's gift to women or anything like that, but I received attention because I was on television. I wish I could tell you more about what happened that night, but the next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital the following morning with a big cut under my eye and a concussion. Apparently someone in the bar told me that I was out of it, so I left to go and sit out in the car until Kid and Davy were done. As I went out, a bunch of guys followed me, and as I was getting in the car, they attacked me and beat me up pretty good. How many guys came after me? I couldn't say. 
Somehow I made it back to the hotel and was placed in front of Sonny and Chris Candido's door. They saw that I was in bad shape, called an ambulance and came with me to the hospital. When I woke up, Sonny was sleeping next to me on a gurney. That's all I know. I wonder if Skip wondered why his girlfriend was so concerned about Sean's condition. Mm. Yeah. The following account is from the Pro Wrestling Torch at the time. There were several, most stories say nine, military men at the restaurant. They recognised the group of wrestlers and one way or another began exchanging words with them. Some say they threw the word phony, and then there's an F word there, around and other expletives. Either way, the three wrestlers, exhausted from the long run on the road, have told others that they tried to quell the situation, and it worked for a while. But when the wrestlers were offered a ride to the next town by one of the nightclub's bouncer's girlfriends, they accepted. When they got in the car, the same men from inside the bar began to harass them. As Michaels got out of the car, the car door was slammed on him. At that point, a fight ensued and several of the other guys from the club jumped in and brutally beat on Michaels, while a couple others slammed the door of the two-door sedan on Smith and Waltman. Eventually, Smith and Waltman got out of the car and fought off the attackers. One of the guys went after Smith's eye, leaving it swollen and bloodied. Waltman was virtually unscathed going by his appearance at the house show the next night, and as a former Minneapolis bouncer with tons of street fight experience and martial arts background, is considered one of the legitimately tough guys in the WWF, despite his on-camera role. Michaels, though, not one of the tougher wrestlers in the WWF, was the main focus of the military men's aggression the whole time and took the brunt of the beating. Michaels was hospitalised and diagnosed with a minor concussion, although no broken bones. The brunt of the damage was to the right side of his face, which was swollen and bloodied. He bled out of his right ear. He was released Saturday morning and returned home. He was considered questionable, but not doubtful, to make his appearance at In Your House 4. So that's the Pro Wrestling Torch account. Hmm. So, from other accounts, the story seems to be this. That Michael's kid and Bulldog accepted a ride at the hotel from a couple of wrestling fans to a nightclub. Also in a attendance where some anywhere between the numbers of one and nine marines on shore leave <laughs> michaels pilled up tries to pick up a girl in front of the marines again accounts vary as to whether the girl was actually the current or the ex-girlfriend of either one or one of the guys the current girlfriend version of the story goes that michaels throws a hissy fit asking the marines if they know who he is that he has backup and that he's taking the girl back to his hotel the Marine then knocks Michaels out with one punch. Kid and Davy Boy take him back to the fan's car, but before they can leave, a brawl erupts and Michaels takes more of a kicking. The ex-girlfriend version of the story <laughs> says that the Marine was jealous when Michaels was hitting on who he perceived to still be his girl, advised Michaels to back off, which Sean ignored. The club bouncer advises the wrestlers to leave. They head to the fan's car, at which point the still jealous Marine and his pals attack Sean after Davy Boy and Kid have gotten into the car, apparently ramming his head with the car door and kicking him with steel toe cap boots. So, is Sean injured? Well, yes, he's definitely taking a beating. <laughs> is he using the beating as an excuse to get out of facing and losing to Dean Douglas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Being Shawn Michaels, this whole thing will actually end up benefiting him in the long run anyway. So, there you go. That's the Syracuse incident. Okay. So, the, the actual truth is somewhere... Between those, in all those four stories, accounts, yeah. yeah. Take, take a little from each, probably. What, what are your thoughts on it? I'm thinking that it's quite likely that Shawn took his, you know, bravado and attitude that he has within the WWF company and tried to apply it into a real-world situation where people just aren't happy with that sort of shit. Yeah. Well, well, I guess he sees himself, because for the most part, he's untouchable. You, yeah, you know, yeah. With his position within the company, he can and does do what he likes. 
and as you say, just doesn't fly in the real world. And like he says, normally he has Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with him, and let's be honest, they are big, big bastards, and yeah. you're probably not going to pick a fight. So he can act like a twat in front of anyone and just get away with it, because those two are his backup. Interesting to hear that out of the three of them, the one, yeah. two, three kids, the artist of the bunch. Yeah, apparently so. Hmm. He's the one who fended for himself, yeah. I like to think that the Marines comprised of John Cena, Randy Orton, <laughs> Ted DiBiase, and The Miz. Yeah, almost certainly the case. Although I'm now dying for Shawn Michaels to star in the Marine 5. <laughs> he could be the bad guy in the movie. I've he not could. seen the Marine. He could so. try and like kidnap a Marine's girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, be a, be a good plot. We have one dark match taped before the show tonight, and it's Bob Holly defeating Rad Radford. Poor Bob. Every time we've seen him, he's actually been pretty good, but yeah. he just can't get a regular spot on pay-per-view. <clears throat> Pre-show for this show? Anyone got any comments on that? Did you watch it, Adam? I did, actually. To, to be honest, in many ways, it was the best part of the show. <laughs> this was an odd pay-per-view, actually, in that, Paul, you and I watched it together, and then Adam watched it separately. Yeah, cause you were just going out, or just about to go out, I weren't was, you? So, I'd banned that night, didn't I? I yeah, so, so we got a curry. We did. Which was excellent, very tasty. Yeah. Watched the show, and you just got back at the end, didn't you? Just pretty much as we finished... The main event, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and gave me a a rundown of what you thought of the paper. Told you not to watch it. Which made me really (laughs) not want to watch it, but I kind of had to. No, it was was interesting. I thought that it was a little bit different. I I don't know what was going on with Todd Pettingill, just a couple of random women at his house. It's Pettingill just leching over various girls and trying to ram pizza into that young girl's face. Yeah, I I did notice (laughs) at the end he tries to force feed a child pizza yeah yeah the one I, I did note that the smoking guns owen and yoko match actually from the edited clips of that looked pretty good yeah that I was thought, all right i, I thought yeah. that looked quite nice and um, paul bearer cut another great promo about the undertaker's face being squished yes yeah well it was unfortunate because somebody was shining a torch in his eyes for the whole promo <laughs> Oh, it was standout stuff, though. I thought Cornette's promo and justification for the Bulldog's heel turn was actually really good. No, 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 that was good. Mm, yeah. Bulldog's promo, not so much. <laughs> he wants a bone to eat. He also says he loves the taste of diesel, which just sounds wrong. <laughs> In yeah, many the, ways. There's, there's yeah. only two ways that you can take that. Yeah. A, you don't, like, like don't, eating don't. petroleum, and B, you, you like eating Kevin Nash. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> And Gerald Briscoe was in the Diesel Bulldog brawl. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we spotted him yeah. there. And we also get to a bit of Diesel against Waylon Mercer, which I I understand is that the one where he hurts his back? Yeah, that's the one where he's, he's done and he's gone. Yeah, which is a shame. Is it the power bomb that hurts his back? Yeah, it looked good though. It, it didn't look bad. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, I, did, I, it didn't look like a botched one. It no, looked no, pretty, no pretty it was just but him being worn down worn and down, battered. Yeah. yeah, it's a big guy dropping from a, a large mm. height, isn't it? Um, I also like that Jr. gives us the sort of kayfabe version of Syracuse, where it's nine thugs attack attack Sean with no provocation whatsoever. Yeah, well, yeah. a saint. Well, yeah. I thought the thing, <laughs> this was really odd. Because because it was like the to- I thought the tone and the atmosphere was really odd and creepy, and it was just so still and so quiet. And the way he delivered it was just a little bit odd. Yeah. And plus, Gorilla in that role and the way he spoke was a little bit odd. I felt as well. See, for the most part, I think Gorilla's quite good as this yeah. whole president figure. But I don't buy the whole thing where he's the fan-friendly president, yeah. being as he's booked Mabel versus Yokozuna on a pay-per-view. Yeah. But it's, so, it seems like he hates. But it's the also going to be there'll be an intercontinental title match. But I haven't thought it through yet. Well, maybe he should. It's your job. He's a visionary. Think about all the shows now that start without a main event and they make a main event in the middle of it. Wow. That was Gorilla being a visionary. Okay. And one last thing we need to mention is Todd's really awful John Wayne impersonation. Are you going to put it in here? I'll I'll try and do that. Now there's Justice, Texas style. Hey, that's a great George Bush. John Wayne. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, pretty terrible. Mm. Does it, one of the girls m- makes a guess that it's George Bush or something. Yeah, yeah. but I want to. Who are those people? Why is he in their house? Does he know them? Who maybe, is that child? Where did they get it? Maybe they're in his house. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they are in Todd's house. I don't know. It, yeah. Another thing that I noticed was that Marty Gennetti looks a lot like Dave Murray from Iron Maiden. And you said this, like, I when, say this. before I watched the pay for you, and I'll, I'll second that. He looks very, very much like Dave Murray. Me, me and Adam are big Iron Maiden fans, by the way. Yeah. I have no idea what Dave Murray looks like, so I'll take it. He, he looks a it. lot like Marty Gennetti. <laughs> okay. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Marty Gennetti with a white Stratocaster in Lycra. Okay, I'll try and do that. It's Sunday, October 22nd, 1995, and we are live from the Winnipeg Arena in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, you idiot. In front <laughs> oh, of I was going to do that. I could tell. In front of a crowd of 10,339, although only 9,000 paid. Can you recall the last time the WWF held a pay-per-view in Canada? A long time ago. Yes. Adam? No. It was WrestleMania 6 on April the 1st, 1990, where they ah. drew 67,678 people to the Sky Dome in Toronto. So, Not the Superdome or the Silverdome? No, the Sky Dome. <laughs> okay. Somewhat of a decline in attendance. Why has it been that long? Why has it been like, what is it, five years? They just do the majority of them in the US, don't they? I, I get that, but surely they, they would go around a bit more. It's, no. like, it's not like... Canada's not like a hotbed of wrestling or anything. Canada doesn't even have any of those sort of dodgy time zone things. Like, no. If they're holding them in the UK. Like I mean, SummerSlam 92. Yeah, yeah where, where they, they had to wear they, it on tape. But they, yeah. they just drew huge numbers for it. And, you know, in all respects, probably made them a load of money. They can't air it live in the States, can they? No. Well, they could, but no one would watch it. The show drew a 0.4 buy rate for a company gross of 619,000. This was the lowest buy rate in WWF history at the time. I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's an awful show. Well, you wouldn't have known that in advance. No, but, well, I mean, <laughs> one of the things I'll say is looking at the card, I, I thought this would be average. You know, average. I didn't think it'd be bad, but it was bad. We'll get into that. <laughs> Chief Ghost, you never faced a team like this. Marty Gennetti, back in the WWF. Marty Gennetti, all pumped up. You wouldn't want Hannibal Lecter in your head, would you? Heartbreak Kid, your final grade will be an F. that you think Mabel at In Your House would be the Yoko Zuna. Well, British Bulldog, Big Daddy Cool, taking you, my friend, to obedience school. We get some sort of 90s techno opening montage of all the feuds. I quite liked that, because actually I wasn't sure if that was the end of the countdown show. Yeah. Or the start of that, just with how we watched it. But I thought that looked pretty good. You, you know considering it was 95. Tony Wilson sings the Canadian National Anthem. She, she's supposed to be some big star I've never heard of her, but Adam, what do you think of her hair? That's a big question. Nice hair. I'm unsure about the voice. I was unsure about the voice. I, 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 I didn't was... think it sounded overly in tune. That's pa- I said the same. Paul's observation was, I could sing the Canadian National Anthem better. <laughs> well, but, m- m- put your money where your mouth is. No, but I decided not to offend any Canadians. Maybe you should <laughs> sing the Canadian National Anthem at the end of this show. 
I won't. We get a Canadian montage, which is apparently lakes, snow, a wolf, a helicopter, and a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Canada, isn't it? That is Canada. In a nutshell. Yeah. So, before we start this pay-per-view, I've just got to ask the question. This is their first pay-per-view in Canada in, like, five and a half years. Why the fuck is Bret Hart not wrestling on the pay-per-view? I, I wasn't sure of that. Because that would be too sensible. He wrestles in a dark match afterwards, which we'll discuss, but why isn't he on the pay-per-view? Surely... That makes sense. And Owen Hart. Also not wrestling on the pay-per-view. But is, is that some kind of paternity leave? No, he wrestles in a dark match as well. Oh, he wrestles in a dark yeah. match as well. So, so paternity you're... leave. <laughs> you're on about. You don't get any leave in this company, do you? Unless you're beat up by and, Marines. Unless you're Sean, yeah. You just <laughs> yeah. go home for the summer every summer. <laughs> but yeah, your two biggest Canadian stars, you just don't, on don't, the show. don't bother having them on the show. Yeah, fair enough. And, and um, Lafitte. And and yeah. Jean Pierre Lafitte's not there either, yeah. You know, th- this we we should have had that match, a triple here. threat. Yeah. Gorilla tells us that due to the severity of Sean's fake concussion, he can't allow <laughs> him <laughs> to compete. But there will be an IC title defense when Sean forfeits the belt to Dean Douglas. And he talks about the rights and privileges of Intercontinental Champion. What are the rights and privileges of the Intercontinental Champion? You can keep sheep wherever you like these days it's you get to lose on smackdown a lot in non-title matches but but i always always find that fascinating you know when people get like the key to a city or something and they're always entitled to to keep their sheep wherever they like in town i think that's a brilliant fringe benefit what is that real well so if i got the key to a city i could get like five sheep and keep them wherever the fuck i liked it seems to be but like whenever you see somebody like getting getting made like an honorary whatever key holder of, of somewhere there was always like these kind of archaic privileges and and normally it is something to do with like keeping some livestock. kind of livestock wherever you like wow which which seems to be quite convenient you know near the clock tower in Leicester I'd keep a herd of cattle <laughs> <laughs> but like what, if what? I was ever to be made <laughs> key hold of Leicester what, what, I can only I'm imagine like, it's a matter of time I'm probably along with Gary Lineker I'd imagine Emil Heskey what other yeah. privileges does it have that are applicable to a modern day thinking you get a key get, get in any door <laughs> yes. I've, like, a, like a master I've key. seen the keys to the city they're massive, they're, they're massive. you're not <laughs> they, they could, any doors they could probably open a, a big church door and that's it you might be able to smash your way through a regular door with it okay do you get like everyone's firstborn daughter as well <laughs> trust your second to go, I, I expect that to my Adam <laughs> We get a montage of excited Canadian fans and the In Your House logo goes through the door and sits on the sofa and there's some pumpkins in the doorway. I quite like that, yeah. And it watches TV. And it watches the TV. And then I noticed that in the crowd is Diesel. Yeah, standing behind our hosts, Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross. There is a Diesel impersonator. So, our opening bout is last month's dark match. It's Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Fartu. And I said I wanted to see this, and I'm glad, glad we're getting to see it. Mm. Fatu has had something of a character change since we last saw him at the Some, 95 Royal Rumble. Yeah, a little bit of a character change, yeah. He's a different person. His new character is he can actually now tie his shoelaces. Yeah, <laughs> we noticed that. And he's got a hat and a jacket. No longer a Samoan savage, Fatu was now a street character who preached about not doing drugs, staying in school, avoiding gangs, helping the community, and making a difference. Well, it was, it was interesting because we noticed that his title said, Just Say No. Yeah. Um, which was, if, if you're aware of this, was a Grain Chill song. It was kind of like an anti-drugs campaign. Yes. Because this took us off on a bit of a tangent, didn't it? Because by the time that Adam got back, we were kind of looking through kids' TV... 80s kids' theme tunes, yeah. Theme tunes and, and kind of looking at Grain Chill. But during during that, I was kind of reliving one of my memories. And I could have sworn that I remembered a school trip where Grain Chill go on to and they steal a penguin. And I was I spent ages last <laughs> night looking through YouTube... <laughs> 
to try and find <laughs> said clip. I couldn't find it anyway, but I couldn't really find mention of it either, apart from one, it was like a wiki site or kind of question and answer site where somebody's talking about a story where there's a penguin legitimately stolen from a zoo and somebody's saying, you know, this didn't happen, but you may remember it from a storyline in Great and Chill. That's the only reference to it I could find. Okay. So you so, didn't just make it up? Well, I, I don't think I made it up, but I can't find any evidence really to prove it that's solid. Anyone out there remembers it, let Paul know. Yeah. yeah. I, I just have a recollection of, like, a penguin in a rucksack. Um, like, <laughs> sure, like, like somebody you... being on the bus and, and showing it, but... Are you sure but... you didn't nick a penguin on a school trip and then, like... Blanket out of your mind. Uh, if I nicked a penguin on a school trip, it would have been a chocolate bar. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was just just odd. Fair odd. enough. Because I ended up watching, like I found an episode where they went to the zoo and they seemed to have lots of fights and stuff with a, with a viable school. Brilliant. Yeah. The first vignette for Fatu's new persona aired on the 22nd of July Superstars with Fatu visiting his old neighbourhood and talking about wanting to wrestle in the Cow Palace in California. Fatu would make his television debut under the new gimmick on the 29th of July Superstars defeating Rad Radford. The gimmick never really goes anywhere bar the couple of weeks where the Samoan Gangster Party, who we mentioned a while ago, containing former tag team partner Samu and his brother, the future Rosie, stood in the aisleway and watched him. Supposedly there were Fatu's former friends and gang members who wanted to drag him back to a life of crime but the whole thing was dropped there's no real build for this bout but they did compete in a dark match at last month's in your house three mm. one, of, one of the things that I'd, I'd say about this is at the start of this match there's a sign blurred on, on out that's blurred out that, that you don't yeah, see about that. Did, you, did you notice that yeah they kind of pixelated it so i, I didn't know what to make i, of I that. only guess it was something offensive yeah I, that, that has to be it really yeah out first is fatu what the fuck is he wearing he looks great. He looks terrible. Did you notice the BSK hat that Fatu is wearing? Oh, is that something like... I've heard that before. What was it stand for? Well, that stands for the Bone Street Crew. That's it. Who are they, I hear you ask? Who are they? Who are they? Well, as bizarre as it sounds, they are the Undertaker's backstage faction put together to police the clique. Okay. The members are Undertaker, Paul Bearer, Fatu, Yokozuna, Henry Godwin, Savio Vega and Karma. Okay. So, so that they actually had this crew to police the group. Yeah, and Did... Taker would take the faction so seriously that he's actually got the BSK tattoo across his chest. Wow. There was also a third backstage group based around wearing red handkerchiefs, and they were comprised of the British Bulldog, Goldust, and the Smoking Guns, but that didn't last particularly long. Um, what was their role? Don't know. Just to not be in the other factions? Just to have their own group. So how long does this BSK last for? I would guess a while, as most of those guys are around for at least another year or so. Yeah, and it's it's a fairly substantial group as well, isn't it? Mm. So what do you think somebody like Vince would have made of of the fact that this is going on in his company? I think he's too preoccupied with other things and the fact they're bleeding money out their arsehole. (laughs) Okay. And to be quite honest, if they're involved in little petty disputes with each other, it stops them having to go at him over the fact that they're not actually getting paid that well at the minute. Okay. It is interesting to think that something has risen up as a uh, you know anti-click yeah because they're so dominant in what's happening someone must have you know, and, and i guess the... it would take somebody like the undertaker to, to have that taken seriously to have that sort of power yeah, yeah. i love the way that paul bear is in it that's great I'd i like, hope he's I'd got like a big tattoo I'd... across yeah. his belly i'd like to think that isaac yankum would be in there as well well as they're related fatu's boots work now as well yeah yeah i'm glad he's got over that was there ever any explanation about how he transferred from savage to street guy is it just that's it no just new character but they still kept him with the same name yeah it's bizarre yeah it's odd out next is hunter hurst helmsley with a cane vince and lawler rip on his nose yeah you wouldn't see that today would you (laughs) 
I'd love to see like Michael Cole and JBL just start ripping on his nose. It just yeah. wouldn't happen. Fatu attacks Triple H and gets his little cologne bottle. And mm. yeah, this is when the blurred out sign appears. Fatu with a back body drop while Triple H still has his coat on and 10 punches in the corner. Triple H takes the flare bump to the outside and finally manages to get his jacket off. He, he took that bump quite well. I he did do it very well, yeah. Um, Fatu's got a mullet. It's not one that piqued my interest. Okay. Fair I just wrote down Fatu mullet. I can't remember any other detail than that, but <laughs> it, unless he had a fish. <laughs> Fatu follows him outside and rams Triple H's head into the steps. Back inside and Triple H steals more Ric Flair spots begging off, but takes over with a back elbow. No, wait, he's Samoan, so he's elbowed in the head and does some dancing. Yes, <laughs> that's bad idea. Fatu charges Helmsley and does his head caught up in the rope spot from Rumble Ooh, 94. Yeah, yeah, that was... And it's really good, because yeah. I, I imagine that's quite tricky to pull off with the sort of smoothness that he, did, that he does. And yeah. it, it looks horrible, so... It's not the only kind of... Thing caught in the rope spot tonight is it no there's a few triple h hits some weak kicks and a fist off the second rope and possibly the safest pile driver ever you see i th- i thought from the offset this was going to be a good looking pile driver he gets him up in a nice yeah. position but then almost just falls backwards he doesn't drop down does he it's so bad vince rips on it on commentary and says oh we got most of it yeah well i, I can i can understand that because fatty's a, a big guy he's not yeah huge not it's his biggest size here i don't think but still a big guy and triple h isn't his ultra muscled beast like self self that he yeah. he will become so i can understand him taking it easy to some extent and it's better that than i think doing it in an unsafe way triple h takes his shirt off and does a curtsy or as vince calls it an obsequious bow so <laughs> that's his word of the day toilet paper yeah <laughs> Uppercuts by Triple H and boots in the corner. Fatu fights back, but Helmsley rakes the face and gets a neckbreaker for a two. He's quite a good, I thought it was quite a good neckbreaker. Mm. It's all right. Helmsley settles down with a lazy-looking chin lock on the mat. He's been taking tips from the IRS. Fatu gets back to his feet, but takes his trademark bump off a clothesline for a two. Mm. That was really well done. That, that, was very, that was a very, very good one. But also, this was a stage where I noticed that in the crowd there's some kind of like dead person. Yes. I think, is it... Dracula. Someone says that Bella Lugosi's in the Yeah, in the it's Lawler that claims yeah. it's Bella Lugosi. Lawler's also talking dead. about the fact that Fatou stinks, I think, and lives in poverty and squalor. And he makes some sort of reference that in Fatou's house, the cockroaches have names. And he keeps <laughs> hmm. on doing this. Yeah, he does, actually. Yeah. He also says he uses Raid as deodorant. Yes. yes. He tries to do that after the match as well. Yeah, he, he repeats that's the gag it, That's such a yeah. good gag. That he does it twice. Twice, yeah. A schoolboy by Fatu for a two, and Triple H goes for the pedigree, but Fatu hits a back body drop. He then does a DDT no-sell into some dancing. Yeah. yeah. See, 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 this whole thing, this is actually getting called by the commentators now. It's like, oh, don't try that. At least someone's it, worked it out. Yeah. Is it the one thing from the Savage character that's carried over? His yeah, head's still he's really Samoan, hard. his head's hard, yeah. yeah. We get a sidekick and another back body drop. How many back body drops are in this match? Mm, fair few. Fatu with a clothesline and a backbreaker, and he goes to the second rope and nails a headbutt for a two before hitting a running diamond cutter. The, yeah, this, I kind of put a running RKO sort of thing on that. It was... The, the, this was, a, a, I thought, a very good, pretty snappy, quick sequence. There's lots of... It's like, move, 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 move. I, I thought it was very good. And he, he's getting a good crowd reaction for it as well. Yeah. The, yeah. the crowd are into this. Fatu heads back to the top rope but misses a second head put and we go right to the pedigree for the three at 8.06. I, I thought that this was a pretty decent match. Yeah, I'll I, I quite that. enjoyed it. Oh, I would say it was perfectly respectable. But yeah. I think other than I'm not a big fan of the stupid no-selling, it doesn't make sense because why wouldn't you just do that to every move, like a big move to the head? 
But the other Salah. moves, yeah, the other moves aren't to his head sometimes. But, but the, the no, pedigree but... is the move that puts him down. Yeah, but that then shows how devastating that finisher is, whereas he could get mm. straight back up from the DDT. Oh, I see the logic on it. I really liked the match, though. I thought it was it was quick, it was entertaining, the crowd quite liked it. I, I thought as, a, as an opening match yeah. for In Your House, it was good. Yeah. Fair enough. Lawless shakes Helmsley's hand after the bout and goes for an interview and, yeah, repeats his Ray deodorant gag. Out sneaks Henry Godwin with his slot bucket and Triple H hides behind the king and Godwin chases Triple H to the back. I, I very much liked that Triple H was hiding behind Lawler. I also liked that Lawler was trying to say to Henry Godwin, no, I'm your friend. It's like, yeah. since when? <laughs> and Henry Godwin's fairly over. People like He's the slot He's still thing. over, yeah. yeah. Good gimmick. I, I was a little bit disappointed that Triple H didn't get slopped. No. I thought that was where it was going. I thought Lawler was going to dive out the way and Triple H was going to get it. But... Obviously, this is part of a bigger storyline. Aye, indeed yeah. it is. Yep, you'll see that further on. I guess they don't want to pop their load too early. Adam. Their load of slop. <laughs> that, that's not helped things. That's not helped. All right, Vinnie Mac standing here, obviously, with James E. Cornett, the British Bulldog. The opportunity he's waited on all his life. His first ever World Wrestling Federation title shot. But first, I'd like to go back and look at what happened a couple of months ago on Raw when you set up Big Daddy Cool Diesel, when you turned against Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Hey, don't even worry about the setup. Worry about the execution, because right there, Diesel bit the dust. But just a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, he bit the dust with a referee's count for the first time since he's been the champion. And brother, I guarantee you this tonight in the Great White North, when it counts with the title on the line, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, is going to pin Diesel one more time, and he is going to become the World Wrestling Federation champion that he's deserved for so long. Davey, come on, fire up, baby. That's right. Give me a pump. Give me a cool. pump. Go. You thought you could hide in this 50 below hellhole with a peg. Well, the British Bulldog is here in your house. Live and in living colour. I beat you last week on Monday Night Raw. And tonight, in your race, I'm going to beat you again. He's the Come best game of his life. All right, Benny Mac, back to you. Obviously a confident bulldog. Doc is backstage with the bulldog. And now Doc is wearing a suit jacket with a T-shirt. He looks like yeah. This guy is a fashion disaster on Shawn Michaels scale, <laughs> isn't he, really? Well, yes. no, not really. Okay, Shawn, Shawn Michaels has pushed it so far that, that it's kind of entertaining doc just looks awful like a pecker yeah cornet delivers his usual decent promo and again bulldog not so much i do like the way that he, in your house he <laughs> <laughs> sounds scottish there but it's i don't know so it's very some things just sound better with particular accents i've got to say i think for a lot of american accents sound quite good for strong promos and i'm not sure that what's it leads kind of accent yeah I'm not, sure, and Leeds. I'm not sure it kind of works with that particular style of promo. You can see why he's been given Cornet as a mouthpiece. Yeah. yeah. Our next bout is for the WWF tag team titles. It's the Smoking Guns versus Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid. I'm looking forward to this. So we touched on it briefly last episode, but the night after In Your House 3, the WWF null and voided the main event of that show. Jim Cornette and his lawyer, Clarence Mason, protested to Gorilla Monsoon that Owen Hart wasn't a legal participant in the match and therefore wasn't eligible to be pinned. Monsoon agreed and returned the tag team titles to Owen and Yokozuna. However, he also forced Cornette's duo to defend their titles against the Smoking Guns. In something of a backwards step for the division, the Guns regained the belts about six months after losing them when Yoko accidentally splashed Owen. This, this I did think, looked like quite an entertaining little match. Yeah, yeah it, it was, looked, it was and pretty good. And the crowd, 
the crowd were wild. But also one of my favourite bits about this was the fact that who has to come in to take the, the glory and the limelight? Following the bout, Shawn Michaels and Diesel <laughs> came to the ring to celebrate with the guns, despite having no previous storyline association with them, presumably to make sure nobody else got the spotlight, but possibly to send a message to the audience that Shawn and Diesel were okay with this turn of events, mm. and so should they. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess that there is some kind of vague link, the fact that they were then Taken, didn't have the yeah. belts. So I kind of see that there is a link with that, but no, there's no need for it. As for Ramon and the kid, following Kid costing Razor his match at In Your House 3, the two supposed friends faced off against each other on the 2nd of October Raw, with Lawler speculating that the kid had been negotiating with the Million Dollar Man. In contrast to their previous bouts... Ramon picked up the win with a clothesline. The kid wasn't happy with this result and slapped Razor demanding another match. Ramon obliged and pinned Kid again during the commercial break. Kid <laughs> still wasn't happy with this and demanded a third match, which Ramon won with a cradle, opting not to deliver the Razor's edge to his friend. Post-matches, the kid seemed to accept that Razor is the better man and the two left the ring together, seemingly putting their past problems behind them. Well, there was the whole respect thing that... I, I, I quite like the look of that. I wish I'd seen more of it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. Here come the smoking guns, and I want to guess, Adam, what exactly you were going to say here. Part of me died inside when I saw that Billy Gunn has chopped off almost all of his mullet. Well, yeah, the line I've got here is Billy Gunn has cut his bastard mullet off. Yeah, he's, I've he's, got holy balls, where is Billy's hair? He's <laughs> he's basically stolen Dean Douglas's hair. He's, he's seen a 90s haircut. haircut. Yeah, thought, uh, that's the way to go. That's my second note, is Billy has discovered it's the 1990s. <laughs> Don't worry, in the late 90s, he'll go back again. <laughs> yeah, but he is starting to resemble Mr. Anus far more now. Mr. Anus. That's, that is the darker side of Mr. Ass. They get... <laughs> <laughs> they get a Texas flag on the ring canvas. Because they're from Texas. Because they're from Texas. Gentlemen, you all about it all boils down, Razor and the kid. Hey, look at these outfits. You guys are together, huh? Finally, once and for all or not? Well, you know, McMahon... We got all our problems behind us. Yep. You know, I got to hand to the guns. They ain't running from nobody. They looking for a fight. And the kid and the bad guy, we're going to give it to them. All right, thank you very much. Razor Ramon, the one, two, three, kid. And here they come. Kid, Razor are backstage on the split screen and they have matching outfits. They, oh, look, like they look like a tag team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They say their problems are behind them and that they are together. Vince speculates about how many belts Razor could be leaving with tonight. Because Razor and the kid are cooler than the smoking guns, they fake out shaking hands with them. I, I like that, to the whole kind of, you know, hand mm. through the hair thing. Yeah. Very cool. I liked I your like your action that. there, Paul, as if to demonstrate. Yeah. That's how they ran. Well, with my <laughs> luscious locks. Locks, that works quite nicely. <laughs> luscious you... is probably the way, best way to describe my hair. Luscious, yep. Yeah. Future DX members Billy and the kid start. Lawler rips on the kid's hair for some reason, just for ages at the start of the match. (laughs) Then Vince does a reference to to Billy having chopped off his locks. Yeah. Arm drag by the kid and they lock up and Billy is the more powerful. Kid kips up and gets a side headlock. Kid rolls under a Billy Irish whip but gets thrown across the ring. I like that. The forward roll is a much underused move in wrestling. (laughs) Tag to Bart and a tag to Razor and Razor's tag gets a big pop. 
And the, the, the razor chants are, are noticeable. Yeah. And I, I notice here, that, I mean, his kind of, I was going to say package looks good. Um, that's, <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Um, like, I think he's got like a whole package in terms of like the, the image, perhaps is a better way. Yeah. His image is very good and, and kind of the stylizing. I think it's all been very well done for him. Right. But I wonder how much the name plays a role in this, because I think razor is a good sounding name, you know. Alliterative. Yeah, so so I thought about having ice-double scrivens. Because <laughs> I, I use an ice-double to, uh, to trim my beard with. <laughs> Babalus. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, boys? That could be your finishing move, the Babalus. Are you going to start saying man all the time? Yeah. But no, no, I, I thought, I was just thinking that works quite nicely. Ice-double scrivens. Ice-double scrivens. I think... It, it is a point we've made before that Razor's so over, why isn't he actually up in the, the, the title race? He's also in the click as well, which means yeah. that... Why and hasn't it's, so that's not holding him back. He's part of it. And he's clearly a level above everyone else in this match. Yeah. How come he's still... That's just the way things are. That's where Vince sees him in that spot on the card. Bizarre. Believe me, that frustration, which Razor agrees with you on, will play a part next year when his contract comes up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Razor, again, is cooler than the guns, so he does some fake gun hand signals to mock mm. them. Yeah. And raise a chance, yeah, before he's even actually done anything. Bart overpowers him in a lockup and gets booed. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Another, and Razor gets the advantage out of that, and JR bangs on about rodeo scholarships for the guns. Excellent. Fists by Razor, and Bart bounces off the ropes, but Kid pulls the ropes down, and Bart flies to the outside. Is yeah. it, he kind of gets a bit tangled up, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit messy, I thought, that particular spot. Bit of a heelish spot and, from yeah, the Kid the, as well. Yeah, the, the Kid doing a, a decidedly evil tactic. It looked but, like a nasty bump as well. Yeah, it's kind of it's a bit odd, I think, that this kind of dynamic because they're going almost like cool heel here. Yeah. Well, that's obviously the way forward, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Razor works over Bart in the ring before tagging the kid who hits some big kicks in the corner. A spinning wheel kick and he smacks Billy on the outside. Razor tags back in and hits the SOS. Kid tags in and they do the double team SOS for a two. Mm. Another tag to Razor who slaps away at Bart in the corner. Tag again and a double team elbow. An elbow drop gets a two before another tag to Razor, and Razor goes for a back body drop, but Bart pulls the bad guy down by his hair. Backstage, Dean Douglas watches and makes notes. Excellent, yeah. It, it's the way he makes notes. It's this whole thing about when people are backstage watching stuff. There's just something about it that I really enjoy watching those little segments. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't really write a lot when he makes his notes. But it's, it's like the facial expression. He's, re, he's really enjoying watching yeah, this match. He seems to be having the time of his, his life. life. Yeah, He's studious. Very, very studious. In the ring, both men are down before making tags. Billy hits a big back body drop. Seriously, how many yeah, back yeah. body drops are there on this pay-per-view? The night of big back body drops. On, it's on the kid anyway. Billy takes out Razor while he's at it. A big elbow drop gets a two. A tag to Bart, a backbreaker. He keeps hold of the kid and hits another backbreaker for a two. Razor helps break it up, but the kid had already actually kicked out. Yeah. Tag to Billy for a double team suplex drop kick for a two. That that was I, I think that's a really cool, slightly different way of presenting a move. Nice. I quite liked it. Billy misses a stinger splash as the kid moves. While the ref is occupied with Razor, Bart drags Billy on top of the kid. Then, as the ref is occupied with Bart, Razor reverses it for a two. Again, I, I kind of like those those kind of little dynamics. That was that's quite cool. Hot tag to Razor, who is a one man gang punching the guns. <laughs> Not the one man gang. <laughs> the one man gang. gang yeah. Billy reverses an Irish whip, but Razor on the rebound hits the Razor's edge, and the crowd pops huge. Yeah, Ooh. again, a massive pop for that. On the outside, Kid wants the tag, and he gets in, goes for the cover, gets a two, but Billy reverses the kid into a crucifix and slides the kid over for the three at twelve forty six. Well, well, it was an unexpected 
end to that I match. Thought, I didn't really like it as, as an end to the match. I, I thought it played well into the storyline they're it, telling. It, it plays mm. into the storyline, but why would Razor not just pin the... Because he's acquiescing to this new attitude mm. that the kid has got and, you know, trying to placate him. But but I, I like the little bit after the match where Razor's doing what cricketer would describe as the double teapot. Hands on both <laughs> hips. <laughs> so, so so when you're in the field and, and the bowler's just bowled a long hop and it's got smashed away for four, you might stand there doing a double teapot. Or... No, it's, it's, it's good. And the kid is a bad loser, I wrote. Yeah, so kid kicks the ropes in frustration after the match. Razor leaves and the kid attacks the smoking guns. And the crowd don't really know how to react, so they just yeah. go a bit quiet. Yeah. Razor comes back in and takes the tag titles off the kid and gives them back to Billy and Bart and the crowd boo again after Razor and the kid leave. I quite liked the match. It yeah, wasn't terrible. I, I, I thought I thought that this was this was pretty good. Oh, I thought it was passable, but I much prefer Razor's single work than his tag work. I think it's interesting though because you can get a good hot tag yeah. like, like this. And yeah. I, I think Razor and the kid are a good team. You, you know, the, the kind of different styles depends who they're off, who they're up against, but they have a real good potential to be a very entertaining team. Razor and the kid versus Owen and Yokozuna would probably be quite good. It'd probably mm. be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was okay. It wasn't an all-time classic tag match, but it was decent enough in ring stuff, and it plays into a storyline. And I did like the little spot where they reversed the pins beyond the referee's back. I yeah. thought that was quite good. No, there's enough decent action there. Enough to like. Yeah, our next bout is Goldust versus Marty Jannetty. Dave Murray made his return to the WWF <laughs> on the 25th of September episode of Raw, pinning Skip. No real reason, I just guess Vince figured enough time had passed since the Charles Austin court case that he was okay to bring Marty back. Either that or Marty was temporarily free of his demons. When was the last time we saw him, say? The last time we actually saw him was Survivor Series 93. Wow. But he was obviously ascended to the ceiling at Royal Rumble 94 and we saw him in the free-for-all. But yeah, he's been gone the better part of two years. Yeah. As for Goldust, this marks his debut on the podcast and on WWF television in this gimmick. The last time we saw Dustin Rhodes, he was feuding with Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Bob Monkhouse. Bunkhouse, excellent. Yeah. So how has he ended up here? And, and uh, let, let's point out that on that particular show, he was my MVP. Uh, he mm. very, yeah, he very was, much impressed yeah. me. So I'm, I'm really quite excited to see what we did here, because obviously we've seen uh, bits of later on, or kind of bits of more recent gold dust. Yeah. But I'm very interested to see how he first was in WWF. Well, after the conclusion of the Rhodes versus the Stud Stable in a War Games match at Fall Brawl on September the 18th, 1994, Colonel Robert Parker introduced a new foe for Dustin, the Black Top Bully, a.k.a. Barry Darso, a.k.a. Demolition Smash, okay, uh, yeah. a.k.a. The Repo Man. Rhodes would face off against the Bully at Uncensored on March the 19th, 1995, in a King of the Road match. Oh, that was a silly on the back of a van match. What the fuck is that, you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam was asking. Well, it's a match that takes place on the back of an 18-wheeler truck where the competitors have to manoeuvre down the truck, fighting each other on bales of hay, and the winner must climb to the top of the front of the truck and sound a horn. That's stupid. That is on a new level of stupid, actually. So is, is this the one where there's some blading going on? Is that the thing? Absolutely. As it wasn't live in the arena, WCW taped the match a few days beforehand. Being as the bout took place at the uncensored pay-per-view, you could assume the rules for the match would be somewhat lax. To try and get the match over, Rhodes and Darso either made the decision to blade each other or were instructed to by the match agent Mike Graham. Unfortunately for them, WCW had a strict no-blood policy at the time and all three men were fired days after the show for violating this policy. Little side note, Hulk Hogan had bled in a match a few days before that. (laughs) He didn't get fired. (laughs) Attempting to rebuild his roster, 
and out-of-contract Rhodes was an obvious signing for the WWF. Sketches emerged online last year of character designs for a cowboy-type character for Rhodes to play, but what he was given was quite different. Yes, very different from a cowboy. Pitched to him by Vince McMahon over the telephone and accepted by Dustin as he was keen to get out the shadow and do something different from his currently estranged father, Rhodes would portray the character of Goldust. The first vignette for Rhodes' new persona aired on the 22nd of July Superstars and was simply a shot of some, well, gold dust, spelling (laughs) the words gold dust while Howard Finkel announced his name and that he was from Hollywood, California. Genius. The promo videos ran for some time before Rhodes began appearing in them in September, such as the one we saw on the Raw vs. Nitro episode. Mm. The current gimmick for Goldust is that he's basically a giant Oscar statue and quotes movies. Yeah. That's his gimmick. This gimmick would be tweaked somewhat in the upcoming weeks. You know where they go with early Goldust? The the fact that he's a homosexual. Correct. Rhodes worked dark matches and house shows in August and September, and his debut was announced for In Your House 4 on the 25th of September Raw against recent returnee Janetti. Cut to Marty Janetti entering. There's a load of weird cuts on this pay-per-view, so yes, I'm guessing yeah. there's tons of interviews and stuff taken out. Yeah. 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 Just... Af- after, after watching about half this pay-per-view, my neck hurts, because every time there was an odd cut, I used to, I'd turn to look at Stuart, like, what's that? I, I was doing that a lot, wasn't I? Was... If anyone's seen the pay-per-view rip of this from the time, let us know what sort of bits and bobs are missing. Yeah. Mm. It'd be interested to know. We see pre-recorded comments from Goldust as Marty enters. He's ready for his close-up, Mr. DeMille. Mm. Goldust's entrance isn't what it is now. You don't get the 24-carat Shattered Dreams Productions business. Yeah, but he has got that music. And the I music really, is I really cool. like his yeah, it's, music, it's good actually. Music. And he does get gold dust. Yes. Yep. Which, yeah. I, which I think they've actually spent a lot on this. They've invested a lot in this character. So he gets a golden shower as well. Yeah, when we were speculating, they could have like a Razor Ramon, Ramon, Gold Dust, Gold Dust, Randy Orton, Golden Shower match. Yeah, the winner gets a Golden Shower <laughs> from Sonny. Or no, <laughs> no, Adam. <laughs> the crowd don't really know what to make of Gold Dust when he enters. I haven't got a clue. It's, it's really interesting to see that reaction. Yeah. And I don't think at this stage that's a bad thing for Goldust. I think that that's actually quite interesting. And he's wearing a big dressing gown. Yes. Yeah, and a wig, obviously. JR says he's never seen anyone like this in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprising. <laughs> Goldust tries to attack Marty to open, but Marty telegraphs it with a back body drop and a clothesline to the outside. <laughs> I like the way that Marty Jannetty's outfit appears to be made up now of the Ultimate Warrior's old boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I didn't quite know what to make of it, but it, uh, it was kind of a bit Yeti, but multicoloured. It's not like it's a not Yeti, like mate. A Yeti. It's not like a Yeti. It almost had the look of you know like a jacket type thing that he was going to take off, but then he no, it's just just his outfit. Marty charges after Goldust in the aisleway and hits a clothesline, and Goldust takes a big bump on the concrete for that. 
And JR makes reference to Marty's personal demons hurting his career. Yes, I thought Ooh. that was interesting. Yeah, interesting. Marty thinks that Goldust is a chicken. Yeah, he, he does a little chicken taunt. dance. Goldust re-enters the ring and they have a bit of a stare down. Goldust gets a reversal off a waist lock with a roll-up for a two and then slaps Janetti around the face. At this point, I'm going to stop you for a minute. What did you think Goldust looked like here, boys? A giant banana. You said giant banana. Adam, what did, what did you think? I've got no doubt that his look is nowhere near as refined as it becomes. It just looks like a kind of, yeah, yellow bodysuit. He looks really cool when he comes out with, like, the big, almost Ric Flair-esque gown yeah. and things. And the wig. Yeah, and then he takes it all off. And, mm, I'm you a, look I'm a bit li- silly. I'm left a little bit underwhelmed. Because it was it the first time he'd taken the wig off on TV. Yeah. It was actually almost like, was he throw it to Yeah, th- there was speculation before he debuted as to whether he was going to wrestle in the wig or not. But, okay. Yeah. There's a little bit of a crowd reaction when he chucks the wig, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, because I've got it down as a yellow slash black inverted panda man. Because really, he's his ears, isn't it? He's got black ears. are black. Yeah. He's got black ears and his, and his eyes just looks odd. Fair I guess enough. that's his character, but it is odd. <laughs> Marty reverses a body slam and gets a hurricane rana. Goldust gives Marty some shoves and goes for a leapfrog, but Marty sees it and gets a slap. Marty tries for one of his own and gets a big clothesline from Goldust and a nice bump from Marty there. They're all trying to do the Rikishi bump this episode. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that one in the eyewear at the start was a bit of an attempted Rikishi bump, yeah. I seem to remember. Now, my notes for this are a little bit sporadic, but I've got a few things down here that kind of I think are quite telltale for this. One of them is quite slow, yeah. pace of the match. Although it was a bit up and down, there'd be kind of large portions where not a lot happens and then be like a little flurry of activity. But another one is we've got messy thing for a move that I wasn't quite sure what it was. And then they've just <laughs> written Paul Bearer's cousin because I think this is where they actually show you in the crowd. They have to do a close up of the Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Yeah. Goldust whips Marty into the corner and rakes his eyes on the ropes. Vince references Goldust being androgynous, and I'm pretty sure Vince won't know what that word means. Yeah. Mm. He's not reached that sheet of paper yet. <laughs> it's chinlock time before another back body drop. Lawler constantly references movies with everything Goldust does. Mm. He throws Marty to the outside and does some taunting. Goldust follows Marty outside and rams his head into the steps before breaking the count and then rolling back in. Marty fights his way back in, snapmaring Goldust to the outside and returning the head to the step spot. I did like that snapmare to the outside. That, I'd say, would, yeah, yeah, would say is the highlight of the match for me. What's... I'd say that Goldust is no way near as lithe and athletic here as he is in, in 2014. 2014. So it's weird. You've got a 19-year gap and somehow he gets better with age. DDP yoga, mate. Yeah, that must be it. That's it. I've also got to know that when, when he turns around, Goldust has got a bit of a fat back. <laughs> What's a fat back? It's just fatty deposits just above the belt line. Is it fairly well concealed in casual clothing? <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't want to see him in the shower. In his underpants. In That's his underpants, the one. yeah. You know what? I wouldn't want to see him in the shower. Goldust whips Marty into another corner and Janetti takes a big bump off the post. Goldust suplexes Marty back into the ring for a two and Vince tells us there is a hundred-year-old lady in the crowd. I wonder what she makes of Goldust. Ah, but, but, he does say we're going we're gonna to get an interview with her yeah. later. Why? I mean, we don't, <laughs> unless it's one of the bits we pick up. But why would you? That bump off the, off the ring post, Yeah, that was really odd. He gets... He sort of goes face first he, into he it just, and then spins off it. He jumps up and hits his own head into it. Yes, it's that's really right. Really, yes. It's almost like he's attempting to do a move on the yeah. on the ring post. Well, I think we may have reached your messy spot, Paul, because I've got messy rollover on a back body drop by Marty. To, to be honest, I think there's a few spots tonight which could be considered messy things. Mm. Marty then charges Goldust in the corner and takes a messy bump there. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. DDT by Goldust for a two. Rocker dropper by Marty, and he heads to the top, missing. Well, nothing really, but he just sort of stands there and elbows Goldust anyway for a two. Yeah. yeah. Communication, boys. Communication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goldust bumps around for Marty's fists, and Ginetti heads back to the top, jumping into a Goldust boot. Goldust then hits a gourd buster for the three at eleven fifteen. Hmm. So that that's kind of is, is that face that, first that su- face first suplex? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a gourd okay. buster. So. Who's that named after? I don't know if it's named after, but I know it was one of Arn Anderson's. Moves. Okay, but um, thoughts on the match? Disappointing. I, I was quite looking forward to seeing this. I, I thought this would be a very good match, but it was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it was like th- this is one of the biggest letdowns I think I've had for a match because I was quite. I thought, yeah, this is going to be one of these like little hidden gems that we're going to get in '95, and it's not. It's a terrible match. Very disappointing. Although I did note at the end, the do talk, somebody mentions downloaded. And I think this is one of the first times I've heard kind of mentions to technology, internet, things on, okay. on, on a show. I think, you know, obviously it's, it's the year of Encarta 95, <laughs> which was like, you know, if, if you're young and listening to this, it was the Wikipedia of, of our school years, really, wasn't yeah. it? If you had some homework to do. So if you got given a project like Research World War Two, it would all be the same length by every student in the class because everyone would print off the seventeen pages from Encarta ninety five. <laughs> that's what that's what would happen though, wasn't it? That, Pretty that, much. That was that was it. That was the only resource that you had access to. You go off on some random things. Yeah, that was odd. But that's how I, my I'd mind works. Forgotten then what we were doing. But... Your thoughts on Goldust versus Marty Janetti, Adam? I'll kind of mirror what he says, but a bit more concisely. Disappointing from what I expected from seeing obviously Goldust in his later years yeah and seeing you know Ginetti and the rockers and stuff i would expect this to be quite good but Golda's character isn't cemented properly yet like you say the communication in the ring isn't very good has marty been resting mainly while he's been out yeah, of the company? Been, yeah but maybe he's just not worked back into the wwf style i don't know but something was out of line here i think my main problem is that it's way too competitive for a debut of a big character so they've invested obviously quite a lot of time and money in gold dust and then he's come and had this sort of really competitive match with someone who hasn't been on television in 18 months. Mm. Like, if this had been four minutes, Marty had got a couple of moves in and Goldust had done his big spots, this probably would have been ten times better. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't debut a big character in this way. And yeah, Marty didn't look as sharp as he used to. And yeah, the timing was off in places. Yeah. And for some reason, we get really long footage of Goldust leaving. Just ages of him leaving. Our next bout is Yokozuna versus King Mabel in a match for the ages. Undertaker versus King Mabel was announced for In Your House 4 on the September 25th episode of Raw. On that same show, Taker faced off against the British Bulldog, which went to a DQ when Mabel attacked. Shawn Michaels, Diesel and the Smoking Guns made the save for the dead man. Incidentally, during this bout and a couple of others, Waylon Mercy was shown looking on, so potentially they were looking at Undertaker versus Mercy as a feud down the line. Which would have probably been quite good. Been interesting promo-wise. Yeah. Mm. The majority of the 9th of October Raw was built around a huge six-man tag team match between Owen Hart, Yokozuna and the British Bulldog against Diesel, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Following the bout, Mabel wobbled down to ringside and proceeded to leg drop Taker in the face and break his orbital bone near his eye. Nice. There are some reports that it actually happened on a house show, so either it did happen here and then the angle came out of this, or it happened on a house show and they conveniently had this shot, so they made this the Mm. angle. Yeah. What was The Undertaker's reaction to this, apart from, ah, you bastard? Well, he just sat there and no-sold it, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Because he's the fucking Undertaker. Yeah. Mabel was kayfabe fined $7,500 for his attack on the undertaker 
Mm-hmm. On the 16th of October Raw, interim WWF president Gorilla Monsoon revealed that he was thinking of having Bret Hart face Mabel in your house for, but instead decided to have former WWF champion Yokozuna face the reigning king of the ring. I was upset before this began. I have got it noted down that this is quite possibly Vince's wet dream, though, because they're both huge, and he likes huge people, so surely he'll be thinking, what a great match. Well, as he puts it on commentary, next up is a most unusual match. Fat versus fat. There'll be no waist locks. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be no big fat body drops. They certainly won't. Or any moves of any variety. Mabel is out on his throne, accompanied by Sir Moe. Still being carried. Mm. And did you notice Mabel's actually sweating while he's sitting down? Yeah, you pointed this out to me. <laughs> I am right, though, aren't I? Yeah, you, you are right. Jim Cornette, who apparently is not too happy with any of the uh, these decisions made by Gorilla Monsoon. Am I correct in that, Mr. Cornette? Oh, you're absolutely correct, Miss McMahon. Everybody has wanted to see this match for a long time, but you know why Gorilla Baboon signed it? Because he wants to cause trouble between Yokozuna and Mabel. He's too scared to have two guys that big and that powerful on the same side, so he's got to go around instigating trouble. Well, I got news for you. Yokozuna will mow down anybody putting his path, but everybody knows that Gorilla Monsoon has set this thing up just to save the WWF from total destruction. Is that right? What about your alliances, Mr. Cornette, with uh, Mabel and, and the British Bulldog? Are you torn it all between the two? I'm not. No, don't try to start any trouble with the Bulldog because I guarantee you he's going to be the champion tonight. And as for Yokozuna and Mabel, my loyalties always lie here. But I will be able to think of a plot should Gorilla Monsoon's instigating and knifing in the back go too far. We get picture in picture for Yoko, Cornette and Fuji backstage. And Cornette lies to us all saying... People have wanted to see this match for a long time. Mm. Yoko is out next, and yeah, JR tells us there will be no waist locks in this match. Mabel shouts at Yoko and they slap each other a bit. Mabel's got a big M on the back of his costume. For Mabel. For Mabel. And all I could think of was mash. That begins with an M. (laughs) (laughs) How about ma? That begins with an M. Ma. Well, well, this is the other thing, because honestly here... I got really bored, progressively more bored with the rest of the pay-per-view. So from time to time, I'll, I'll just make notes about meh. So that's where this goes from here, because to keep myself entertained and awake. What did you get? That's what I did. Well, one of my first one was, who's Razor Ramon's favourite wrestler? Don't know. Meh, kind. <laughs> or man Or meh, mountain rock. <laughs> the honky-tonk meh. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Yoko gets the advantage and just punches Mabel to the outside. And Yoko has knocked Mabel's mohawk flat. Oh, it's, it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. He's just got this flat yeah. patch of hair. So yeah, it's just like, just like this bit in the middle, but it's kind of like a spider. Kind of like spider legs. I'm gesticulating, <laughs> for those of you who can't see. Punches, Irish whips, clotheslines by Mabel taking Yoko down, and Yoko falls to the outside. Yoko doesn't pay attention, and Mabel splashes him in the corner. Punches strutting mabel charges again in the corner but yoko hits a clothesline then misses a leg drop then mabel misses an elbow drop yokozuna definitely misses an elbow drop at some point as well because he'd kill him has he (laughs) ever hit an elbow drop i think we've seen quite a lot of yokozuna matches i don't think he's ever hit an elbow drop he hits the leg drop Drop, sometimes but never the elbow drop possibly i mean during this match my my mind was wondering as i was mentioning and and one of the things that i was thinking about here was was bmi categories Because I, I do have like very vivid recollections of sitting in a hospital waiting room, and they just had this like BMI kind of like almost like a BMI wheel where you could work out what your BMI was. And I was kind of just intrigued looking at it because I, I like numbers, so I was, I was looking through it. <laughs> really? And, 
you know, it went from like, you know, underweight to, to normal to overweight to obese. And then I think it was one after that, or maybe it was another category in between. But one of them just said very fat. And I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So, genuinely did. Just said very fat. And I didn't know if they felt that morbidly obese was, was a bit distressing for people to read and that... But being very fat was very fat sounds more mocking. It does, it does. But yeah, that's that's what he said. What what do you reckon would be the BMI of like Mabel? Well, very fat, about about a hundred or something. It would be. I I don't know. It'd be a lot. Have you worked out yours? Yeah, I'm obese. Really? According to that, yeah. But I'm quite short. He's he's four foot three. (laughs) I'm not. I'm I'm about five eight and a bit. Mm. The the bit's very important. During this match, because I'd, I'd listened to you saying that you'd just been doing those man things, so I had a, a little bit of a go at it, and I came up with his favourite shop for Razor Ramon, being a top man. <laughs> <laughs> his favourite films being Rain Man <laughs> or, or Man Dingo, <laughs> and, and his favourite jellyfish being the Portuguese Man of War. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I digress. That's very good. Do you know what his favourite song is? Man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> that, that's very good. I was going to go by Stand By Your Ma. <laughs> uh, Mabel misses a bulldog, but Yokozuna just falls outside anyway. I will say this Yokozuna makes Mabel look thin. He does, genuinely. Genuinely makes <laughs> yeah. him look like, you know, he's small. small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on commentary, I think it's Lawless says this is a modern day battle of the bulge, which I found quite funny. And then I can't remember who said this, but I think it might have been JR says this is about as scientifically imperfect as you can get. He's not and wrong. He is not wrong at all. Yoko, for some reason, on the outside just falls on Cornet. Mm. Yeah, that made no sense. I didn't understand why. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, there was no reason, like the, the way it was orientated or anything, there was no reason that he should have gone in that direction, but he somehow managed to fall on, on Jim Cornet. But at least he sold well. The ref, for some reason, possibly just because he wants to end this, signals for the double countout at 5.12. Post-match, they both get back in the ring, tease dissension, and then hug for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Bullshit finish. It was thrilling, I thought. Bullshit thrilling. match. Thrilling. Awful. If you ever wanted to recreate this match, I figure it's actually pretty easy. You know those sumo suits you get at fairs? Yeah. Like, just get you and your mate in one of those each. It's That's this match. Well, I have got another commentary note here that, you know, when the count-out's been announced and there's a bit of, you know, ooh going on, Vince says that they were in the middle of a stellar matchup. Mm. <laughs> Seriously? You've just watched it, Vince. It's... I'm pretty sure I've not checked my facts here, but I'm pretty sure this one worst match of like the year in the of, Wrestling Observer of Awards. Anything ever. If it didn't, I don't know what was wrong. Although there's a, there's another contender later on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> didn't enjoy this one then, Paul, or did you just not watch it? Well, it, uh, you know, I, I was making up things with ma, and it's surprising like how blank your mind goes when you when you want to think of words starting with man. <laughs> um, but another, but another one. What's his favourite bit of commentary? Where's Ramon's favourite bit of commentary? Don't know. Any man Nuva. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Yes, let's. So, Shawn Michaels versus Dean Douglas for the Intercontinental title was announced on the September 24th Raw, and storylines began to build towards that, until the aforementioned attack in Syracuse. 
On the 16th of October Raw, Vince would tell the WWF's version of events of Saintly Sean being attacked in Syracuse by 10 thugs and that their match at In Your House 4 was now in question. The WWF continued to advertise Sean for the show up until the air date, but as we saw, Gorilla has made the decision to not allow Sean to compete. I should also point out that shortly before this, The Click and other WWF wrestlers took exception to Shane Douglas sitting out of a house show match against Razor Ramon due to injury, claiming that everyone is hurt and works anyway. Evidently, the same doesn't apply to Sean. Mm. We get another weird cut, and Vince doesn't know where Doc Hendricks is, but he's in the ring, and he introduces Dean Douglas. Yeah, Where's Bob Backlund? Why, why isn't he introducing Dean Douglas? I don't know. We kind of miss Bob on this uh, pay-per-view. Yeah. Doc then introduces Shawn Michaels, who does his best boo-boo face and hasn't had a shave for a few days. Yeah, he is, he is on the point of tears all the time. In many ways, like, generally, I said this to you, didn't I, Stuart, that I think this is, in many ways, the best that Shawn Michaels has looked, despite the fact that he's been <laughs> quite badly beaten up. <laughs> After he's had a massive kick in. But, but no, but he, he kind of actually looks... Sane. I think his face... Yeah, sane and healthy, because he's not, like, bouncing around and... Stripping. Well, yeah, and, and he's not wearing ridiculous clothes. Yeah. I don't think there's any just, mirrors on his clothes, actually. No, yeah. it's, it's remarkable. It's depressing um, times. But I, I did think he almost like there was something healthy about him, which was bizarre. <laughs> do, do you think that he's probably on some kind of medication for his kicking, so he can't really take all his other medication? I don't know. So that keeps him a bit more normal. So here's a question for you. How many titles has Shawn Michaels lost since we've been doing the podcast? And how many times has he been pinned for those titles? He has not been pinned, but I reckon he's probably lost about four belts. He lost the IC title originally by being stripped of it mm-hmm. when he went off and had his fit. You can kind of count that he lost the IC title at WrestleMania 10 in that unification match. He obviously lost the match but wasn't pinned. Yeah. The tag titles that he and Diesel held together, they just threw in the bin and they had a tournament to decide the new champions. And now this, which he's giving to Dean Douglas without being pinned. Mm. Interesting. And the tag titles that they won at the last pay-per-view? Yeah, I suppose that would count, yeah. yeah. Sean milks this for all it is worth. Well, I've made two comments here. One of them is that Mrs. Scrivens couldn't watch this because she's lactose intolerant and is milking it so much. And and the other is that because he's milking it so much, the cows would have sore udders. Bravo. That's good stuff, Scribs. Thank you. Sean goes to hand the belt to Gorilla. No, wait. Dean snatches it and poses. Dean says, that was easy. Yeah, I, like, I quite like that. Yeah. That was good. JR tells us that Sean has handled this with a lot of class. Yeah, yeah, he has. Okay. He does some more milking in the aisle before he leaves. Seriously, there was like about five minutes of him walking to the ring, handing a belt over and walking back. I got a bit bored in this, to be honest, but I did notice that in the crowd, there are a lot of people wearing Burger King, King. crowns. Yeah, we yeah, talked we, about this. We talked about mm. that, yeah. And at one point, Jack Dracula puts one on. Yeah. What did you make to the whole segment, anyway? Sean giving up a belt. Yeah. I, I like I like Douglas's sort of, like, shitty performance. I quite like yeah. that. It was good. Michael was, was a bit melodramatic. Did you see the guy in the front row that looks a bit like Bill Bailey? Yeah, but with less hair. And but a lot bigger. Yeah. Look, across between Big Show and Bill Bailey. <laughs> Big Bailey. <laughs> Big Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So our actual Intercontinental title match this evening is Razor Ramon versus Dean Douglas. So out comes Razor to challenge for the belt. Razor charges the Dean and hits fists. Dean bumps around and rolls to the outside. Back in and they lock up. Razor gets an arm ringer and hits shoulder blocks, taking Dean to the mat. 
Razor then works the arm for an absolute eternity. I put that this was a boring start. Razor paintbrushes the back of Dean's head to make him look like a twat. Douglas misses a charge in the corner and we go back to the arm. Douglas moves Tim White out of the way in the corner and takes the advantage but walks into the sack of shit before being clotheslined to the outside. Razor waits out the count but hangs Douglas over the top rope when he attempts to return to the ring. An eye poke and Dean attempts to bash Razor into the corner but Razor blocks it and hits a big fist sending Dean to the outside again. Yeah, this was... It was a bit clunky, I thought, and and not good action. I think clunky is probably the right word Mm. for it, yeah. Finally, Razor suplexes Dean back inside. A whip into the corner and Douglas goes back to the outside. This is dull. Is this where they do the spot with the water? Razor follows to the outside and Razor takes some water off the announcers, pouring it over Dean's head. Oh no, it's water. Does somebody talk about the dreaded wetening? (laughs) Because that's what I've written down here. That sounds the like a really, a really crap horror I think you film. just made that up. Don't make it up. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I wrote down, dreaded wetting. Uh, yeah, but, a, a really crap horror film or a really niche porn film. <laughs> well, I was, I was, oh, was b- bad imagery. But um, I was, I was going to say t- terrifying that is now slightly damp. Yeah, but again, it just makes him look like a prick, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Back inside, Razor works the arm and hits an atomic drop, setting up for the Razor's edge. But as it's next to the ropes, he gets backdropped to the outside. Shocking. He should have learnt this by now. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Razor Mode, but he should have learnt, don't try it near the ropes. It doesn't work out. Any time. It was, it was a big sort of like bump over the over the top there, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, was, is, it, 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 it normally it was, does it. It's about the one thing I've got real notes for in this, so it must have been kind of entertaining. Dean with punches and he rolls Razor back in. Dean goes to the top but walks into a move we've not seen for a little while. The choke bottom. The choke bottom, mm. although... When he tries to kind of catch him by the throat as he comes down, he loses his grip. And so when he actually goes to, to apply the downward momentum, the downward force, he actually just basically pushes his chest down. So it's not by the yeah, throat. Yeah. It's more of a push on his chest. But it still looks good. I kind of got the impression that the majority of this move was Douglas jumping up and falling back. Yeah. And Razor kind of didn't get enough of a grip on it to fulfil his it, part. Yeah. It could have been a botch, but I think they both did well enough to save it, to be fair. Mm. Or Razor's deliberately doing these moves badly to yeah. make it look like Douglas can't take them properly. Yeah, potentially. Oh, I think he is being sabotaged. JR calls it a choke slam anyway. Razor with fists and he sets Dean up on the top, but Dean elbows him away and hits a reverse crossbody, roll through by Razor for a two and a drop kick by Dean for a two. Nice drop kick. A side suplex by Razor and an awkward arm across while they're both down on the mat for the three, making Razor the new IC champ at 11 It was odd because at, at this time the, the commentators, I think they had the impression that they, they both had an arm across each other and were saying yeah. who got pinned. But that wasn't the case. Douglas didn't have an arm. And Douglas's right. foot is but under the ropes. That, that was the clear bit. That was obviously what they were going for, but it spoiled it a bit and made me a bit confused that the commentators hadn't picked that up. It yeah. didn't really look like that finish should finish the match. No, it was it was all very messy. The cum- communication between, I think, the wrestlers, the ref, the commentators didn't work and it made it very sketchy as an ending. And it kind of translates to the crowd. I think they're a bit, as he would, as, well, he, as he not. My, my note at the end was Razor looks bemused. Well, did you not notice the look on his face was just like, oh, I've won the belt again. Yeah. Big yeah. whoop. One of the commentators, I think it's Lawler, says there was no leg anywhere, but I counted four legs. <laughs> well, six if you count the ref. My yeah. note just says McMahon is a wanker. And I think <laughs> I think it's because we have this shot of of the finish and Lawler saying, look, his leg's out of the ring. And McMahon's yeah. like, no, it's not. No, it's yeah. not. No, it's not. And then we have a shot 
and it clearly was. Yeah. And then we have a shot from the other side, but it's really apparently it's like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. Well, that was shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really, awful. really poor, and especially compared to last month. And I guess we could say that well, Razor's already done a match, so maybe he's a bit tired. But I think your point's probably a little in the in the park that mm. they don't really like Douglas. He's it, not in the clique. They're they're not a big fan of his. So he's going to sabotage how he works in the ring. I felt really let down by this match. Not as bad as I did by the Marta Gennetti and Golders match, but yeah. this was really rubbish. Yeah, Razor gets pyro after, and he he really doesn't deserve it for this shoddy effort. <laughs> <laughs> This is easily the worst Razor Ramon match we've seen. Yeah, definitely yeah. the worst Razor he, match. He, for the most part, doesn't have bad matches, but this and, was a bad and match. And we know that these two can work, I mean, so there's there's something off. Yeah. Well, yeah, allegedly Ramon purposely sabotaged this match as the oh, really? click are okay. mad at Dean for fluffing the roll-up at the end of In Your House 3. And he did. I mean, that was, that was a mess, but the rest but, of the match was but good. But the rest of the match was stunningly good, so... And for the rest of the backstage stuff. And basically, they just don't like him. And obviously, it's a big fuck you in his face because Sean's given up his belt, but nah, you're not going to have it. My mate's going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. So so he, he still goes down as IC champion, but for the best part of 10 minutes. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, really, really disappointing. Yeah, poor Shane Douglas, because you were quite good and you've been stiffed there a little bit. He won't be around much longer. You may have guessed that. It's time for our main event. Thank fuck this card is drawing to a close. The main event for In Your House 4 was announced on the September the 25th edition of Raw, along with the stipulation that the winner would face Bret Hart at the Survivor Series. During the six-man tag team match we mentioned earlier, featuring Owen Yoko and the Bulldog against Sean Diesel and The Undertaker, Davy Boy Smith picked up a big pinfall over the WWF champion Diesel after Yokozuna had leg dropped him. Following the match, the heels, along with Mabel and Dean Douglas, attacked the faces, leaving the trio laying and one of them with a broken orbital bone. (laughs) Injuries aside, this was actually a pretty good segment and was something quite unusual for WWF TV at the time. You didn't often get the heroes just completely beaten down with no sense of a comeback. Mm. This is Bill Watts so, doing. So, so, this, so this is one of like the first times they're starting to play a slightly longer game. Well, this no, this it? was just Bill Watts' style of booking that he okay. would he would get you to watch the next week by doing something like this. But that's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Oh you, yeah. If you have the feeling that always the heroes will win no matter what, there's no point in watching. Then what's the point? Yeah, yeah. you have to put them in a bit of a dilemma or distress before yeah, exactly. they make the comeback. Yeah. Meanwhile, this bout's guest commentator Bret Hart had been busy wrapping up his mid card feuds. On the 2nd of October Raw, he defeated Jean-Pierre Lafitte in another pretty good bout. And on the 16th of October edition, he beat Isaac Yankum in Raw's first ever cage match. Ah. Despite interference from Jerry the King Lawler. Why was this match also notable? It was the first time blood had been on WWF television in a really? very, very long time. Ah. And certainly the first time on Raw. Whose blood was it? Was it Brett's? No, it was Lawler, who had a nosebleed while suspended in a cage above the <laughs> ring. Oh, wow. <laughs> Was it a genuine nosebleed? Well, apparently, due to various injuries to his nose over the years, he has, is it a deviated septum or something? Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Something to that effect. So he's really prone to nosebleeds. Okay, fair enough. So without Vince knowing, while he's in this cage suspended above the ring, he's just picked his nose a little bit and allowed it to bleed. And obviously it's dripped down into the ring. Mm. Was there a reaction to said blood? Not massively. But you'll see more going forward. So, yeah. so they don't have so they don't have the same policy as WCW at the time. Well, yeah, there's no. I mean, you've not seen any no. blood on on any of the pay per views we've done. I don't know if it's such a policy, but they just don't have it. Well, there, was a, it there, was a, there was a little bit accidentally to Jeff Jarrett once, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, at the end of one of his matches. But it was it was like obviously yeah, accidentally. It wasn't people... wasn't bad, was it? It was it was very minor. Yeah. They'll kind of get caught in the mouth or something. The mm. lip will be bleeding yeah. a bit, but yeah. there's nothing. No, but it can only be a positive sign that Brett has tied up all these loose ends in the mid card and appears to be 
headed back to the main event. Mm. Good, good. Bret Hart comes out to commentate on this match as he will receive the title match against the winner at Survivor Series. Comes out to possibly the biggest pop. Well, they are in Canada. Yeah, Mm. he should be wrestling. He chases Lawler off, gives him a bit of punching, and the king leaves. Then doesn't. Then Bret chases him off again. We we see his mullet well in this segment. Yeah, actually, Jerry Lawler does have a a good mullet on display. I thought this was actually the best part of the whole fucking show, was Lawler just trying to keep sneaking back, and Bret (laughs) would just chase him off multiple times. My note just says Bret beats off Jerry. Of course it does. I'm pretty sure that I didn't mean to sound so... Uh, Lewd. Mm, but but that is essentially what happens. Yeah. That, that was a great single entendre. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, Vince! Vince, wait a minute! I got Big Daddy cool! Diesel! Diesel, excuse me, Diesel, Diesel! Diesel, this is, excuse me, Big Daddy! I know it's a big match, but can you tell me, what, what, what's your mic? Doc, I'm feeling awfully funky. Well, there you have it. Bulldog is out first for the main event with Cornette and Doc is with Diesel. Doc also calls him Big Daddy, which just sounds... Like Big Daddy, Shirley Crabtree. I just thought it sounded a bit suspect. <laughs> you're, my, you're my daddy, that sort of thing. Yeah. It, was, it was quite interesting. I quite like these little bits where they keep the camera with him on his way through the entrance so you get yeah. to see, see him kind of by the grill position and... Yeah, I'll tell you that. That was that, interesting. That entrance camera shot where he sort of walks through all the smoke is really, really mm. cool. Diesel's promo basically says he's feeling funky. Yeah. It was great. Fake Diesel is in the crowd, not Kane, but yeah. just a guy dressed as yeah. Diesel. Bulldog and Diesel lock up to start and Diesel has the power advantage. Same again from the next attempt. Bulldog gets a side headlock but gets knocked down bouncing off the ropes. He tries again but gets caught in a body slam. And then another. Bulldog collects himself on the outside. Diesel reaches for Davey who grabs him by the legs, wraps him round the ring post but Diesel counters and kicks Davey away from him. Back inside, Diesel hits a pair of clotheslines in the corner and some knees. Cornette causes a distraction and Bulldog clips the knee before drop-kicking Diesel to the outside. Brett sort of taps Diesel away as he falls into the announce table yeah, and well, Diesel shoves the hitman by the face. Well, it, it's almost... I wouldn't even say he taps him. It's like he cushions his blows. So rather than... It's going more, more, don't instant, fall on me. Yeah, and, and then it's almost like just pushing him away to help him back up, but it's like quite gently. But the shove that Diesel gives to Brett Hart's face is pretty... Severe. It is quite an aggressive one, yeah. Well, supposedly Diesel was pretty pissed at this as Brett was supposed to give a more forceful shove so that it would appear a bit more even, whereas Diesel just comes off as heelish in this. Yeah. Like like yeah. you say, Brett's just sort of gone, oh, no, don't fall on me, and Diesel's yeah. just whacked him. But I think from a storyline point of view, okay, that explanation is quite interesting, but from a storyline point of view, at the minute, he's just commentating. And it kind of, I think that would be your reaction in that position. Mm. I think it was kind of a, an actual reaction from Brett, so I didn't have a problem with it. Anyway, this allows Davy to chop block the champion. In the ring... It was a pretty weak chop block, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Bulldog works on Diesel's knee. And on commentary, Brett can't choose who he'd like to face at Survivor Series. Bulldog tries to apply some sort of submission hold, but can't seem to quite lock it in. I mean, this, this is one of the things. I mean, we were pretty despondent by the end of this pay-per-view. By the time Adam got back. And when you got back, actually, we reenacted the pay-per-view. We did we? reenact the rest of this match and for I've Adam. And I've got to say, yeah. lads, it was... Fairly accurate. Yeah. Basically, I just laid on Paul's leg for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Mm. And, and so that sounded bad, didn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, pretty pretty much that's what happens. It was during, it, sorry, it was it was dull and, and boring again. So I've come up with a few more Razor's favourite <laughs> things. So one of them is, why does Razor Ramon like William Regal so much? Because he's a real man, man. Yeah, absolutely. And who's Razor Ramon's favourite cricket commentator? I don't know. Jonathan Agnew. That's a swerve. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Aggie is everybody's favourite commentator. Because uh, I could have gone for Simon Mann. That would have been too obvious. 
Fair enough. For, for the for the like probably one and a half people that might get that, that'll be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog kicks Diesel to the outside where Jim Cornette has decided this match is really shit and elbow drops Diesel's knee. It was the best part of the match. <laughs> he just then starts kicking Diesel, yeah. conducts an entire attack on he, Diesel's he, he knee. Just, like, it's quite interesting because I think he's worked out that this is appalling. At least this is amusing. Because it's, it's really animated, isn't yeah. it? I, I quite like uh, Jim Cunnett's beat down of Diesel. It's hilarious. But, but it, I think it it is interesting in that it tells you something about his perception of the match and his perception of how this is going. It and isn't the best bit in the match, though. I'll, I'll mention the best bit of the match for me when, when it comes up. Okay. okay. Back in the ring, and guess what? Bulldog goes back to the knee. An on-screen graphic tells us we are listening to the voice of Bret Hart, in case you didn't know. <laughs> I noted that. Bret the Hitman Hart. <laughs> yeah. You are listening to Bret Hart. It's, it's not just random bulldog applies a boston crab no submission and again he kicks diesel's knee single leg boston crab and then he just covers for no reason for a two bulldog lays on diesel's knee again then clips it again then diesel eventually gets back up but then bulldog goes back to laying on his fucking knee really this is it diesel (laughs) kicks him over the ropes however diesel misses an elbow on the bulldog and bulldog goes back to the knee for the love of God, do something different, please. It's almost like, some extent, I think, had they just run out of ideas and something else was supposed to have happened by now? Were they like relying on a run-in from the back that hasn't happened? I just don't think Bulldog can lead a match in the same way as someone else. Obviously, he's the one calling it, and he's not got enough stuff to do. But, but mm. also, he hasn't got enough stuff that he can do against Diesel. Yeah. That's that's a problem. But I think Diesel must be hard to work with for most other people. He's he's tricky because you can't do a, a good deal of your arsenal. He's tough to work with as the babyface champion. If you'd have had him as the heel champion, yeah. you could have done any number of great matches with anybody smaller than him. Yeah, where so, he yeah. kicks them down, they make a brilliant comeback, and then he they slip on a banana peel and he wins. But yeah, as... <laughs> As face, you've got to have him beat down and it just doesn't work. It's not happening, is it? Bulldog goes for the vertical suplex. Finally something different, but Diesel reverses to a nice pop. A side suplex by Diesel and covers for a two. That side suplex was in a new dimension. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Davey gets the advantage over Diesel anyway and just covers from nothing again for a two. He then sets up for the sharpshooter and applies it badly and gets rightly ripped on by Brett for not being able to do it. He's not really locked it in properly. It looks rubbish. Diesel kicks Bulldog out of it anyway. A body slam attempt, but Diesel falls on top for a two. Running power slam, but Diesel backs out of it. Davy turns and goes into a big boot. Cornette, for no reason, gets in the ring and takes a pasting, collides with Davy and falls <laughs> to the outside. Diesel hobbles over to Davy on the ropes and both men go out of the ring. That is my favourite part of this match. Why? Diesel, Diesel sort of, is, is that way he does his running tr- attempt yeah. to boss man attack thing? Rewind that and just look at his running. It's fucking hilarious. Fair enough. I didn't really spot that. I think I'd given up by now. I'd given up. Look, I got so bored, I just drew a picture of Diesel. <laughs> Hang on. Let's, let's have a look. It's not bad. I'll, I'll, I'll describe <laughs> it. Um, he's, he's got a mullet. He's also holding his hand up in, in Diesel's kind of pose. He's got tassels on his trousers. Um, but probably the most interesting thing is, is his beard, which apparently is just a square. <laughs> but not a bad effort. Thanks. Davy shoves Diesel into the corner post and then just turns around and slaps Brett, yeah. who follows Bulldog into the ring and gives Bulldog a slapping, and the ref calls for the bell at 18-14. 
So, Diesel is unhappy that Bulldog has won by DQ and he and Brett get into fisticuffs and referees separate them. JR speculates that it might take the Mounties to separate them as low-card baby faces help out. I was actually hoping for the Mounties Mountie, to yeah. come out and separate them. That, that, that would have saved this show. It was lots of people like Savio Vega and Bam Al- Bam Bigelow. And Aldo and Montoya. Montoya. Yeah. 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 Spotted. Dull as shit. It's yeah, awful. really terrible. And it went on for, how long did it go on for? 18 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say it was about 20 minutes. Jesus. You know, this is one of the things that we said before, that for, for, for me it's the pay-per-views of the 95 things that are the biggest letdown, really, in, in, in yeah. many respects, and this wasn't an exception to that. This card is almost upside down in terms of enjoyment for me. It, it starts off reasonably good and progressively slips. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd go with that. Yeah, it's, it's with, pretty with piss perhaps, poor. With perhaps a, a, some kind of a big trough in the King Mabel. <laughs> yeah, but, um, what, for them to eat out of? No, that would um, that would be bad. I don't like to steal gags from other shows, but this person's been waiting for a title shot for some time. <laughs> I know one of us had to bring it up at some point. And this is just a terrible match. It's awful. Absolutely terrible. This is why you didn't get another title This is shot. why you... Well, actually, he does go on to get several more, yeah. but against better opponents. This has to be the end for Diesel's title reign, doesn't it? He, he can't have a good match with terrible people, fair enough. But Bulldog's actually pretty good. Yeah. And when he's in with an Owen or a Sean or a Brett, he is actually pretty capable. But Diesel can't take him through that, and Bulldog can't lead him through it. But it's a funny thing because also we know that Diesel can have good matches when he's with the right people. Yeah. And I think it's just, I wouldn't want to portion Diesel with the blame. I think it's just poor booking. In a quick epilogue to this match, this show and Diesel's title reign, stories from the time go that immediately following the pay-per-view going off the air, Vince McMahon stood up, threw his headset down audibly said horrible and slinked backstage where he may have verbally dressed down diesel for another shite main event finally vince has realized something is wrong we've been fed up of it for a while and finally back to the pattern of the first pair of in your houses we have several dark matches taped after the show they were as follows henry godwin defeating sid so he gets his loss back on a dark match yeah so he gets his win back from last month where sid beat him yeah does he slop him i don't know I'd like to think so, seeing as he didn't get to use his slop early. He might as well use it. Get some use out of it. Bret Hart defeating Isaac Yankum and former tag team champions Yokozuna and Owen Hart defeating the rather random pairing of Savio Vega and Bam Bam Bigelow. That is a random pairing, isn't it? Yeah, that's weird. So what did you make to this show overall? Pretty bad. In some ways, I know that King of the Ring 95 is the infamous... infamous Worst of all time. But for me, this didn't really have any redeeming features. I mean, as I said, the first couple of matches were okay, but that doesn't save it. There was something stand out enough there. And this doesn't even have almost like the nostalgia to it. I mean, I know yeah. it's got a positive nostalgia to, to 95, but for me, even though I knew it was horrible, it was a must-see show because everybody talks about it. And it's almost like you've got to have seen it. It's like earning a badge for scouts <laughs> or something. <laughs> Having seen King of the Ring 95. Yeah, it kind of is. But this has nothing. It doesn't have any kind of notoriety. With it to, yeah. yeah. And I, I thought this was equally as poor in terms of the, the content. See, I didn't think this was worse or as bad as King of the Ring 95. This is just dull, whereas yeah. King of the Ring 95 was offensively bad in the booking and where it was going. Don't get me wrong, there's some bad booking on this, but it was just boring. It was just two hours of dull. Adam? Pretty upsetting in many ways. I found it tolerable just about. I might have been drinking when I was watching it, actually. You're drinking now? It's yeah. 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You're drinking Guinness. Sunday. Drank Guinness. Drank a Guinness. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I found it tolerable up until we just hit the wall of Mabel Yokozuna, and it just 
killed it completely for me. And everything after that felt like such hard work. And it was mostly shit after that, wasn't it? So Yeah. Well, you're right, but one of the things is there was potential there for this not to be bad. Like, you, you look at the card and you think, okay, you've got things like 1, 2, 3, Kid Against Smoking Guns, that'll be all right. Rikishi against Triple H, which would be all right. And it, and it In was. 2000. And... <laughs> this te- was Tattoo versus Hunterhurst yeah. Elmsley, right? Yeah, okay. But you've also got things like Dean Douglas against Razor, which I was quite looking forward to. And I kind of thought, well, Diesel Bulldog, I didn't expect like it to be a classic, but I thought that could be okay. And it wasn't. It's possible that it could have been slightly redeemed if Dean Douglas wasn't being screwed over, because that could have been a really good match that that would separate off yeah. fat versus fat and the shit main event. Yeah, I mean, if you took the In Your House 3 match and put that in here, that would easily, by a country mile, be the best match on the card. Yeah, and it would lessen the pain mm-hmm. of the end of this. Because you've just got an hour of shit, really, to end it. And another bizarre thing about this, there was very little in terms of sort of backstage segments or interviews. They were all, yeah, the ones we little. got were all picture-in-picture picture type things in the middle of stuff going on. Like yeah. I said, I don't know if we had a bunch of stuff cut that we couldn't see, but... I don't know if that would yeah. have helped. Like, if, why would you <laughs> cut the interesting bits? Yeah, you know, ten minutes of Bob Backlund segments could have saved this show. Yeah. Maybe we just didn't see them. Mm. That is a shame. So, match of the night and MVP. It's a hard one, I think, but match of the night. Well, it's got to go to one of the first two matches. I'd, I'd probably give it, personally, to the, the tag match. Yeah. The Razor and the Kid against Smoking Guns. Oh, I'd know MVP. I knew you were going to ask me this, but I, I couldn't... I, I kind of hoped that re, by re-going through this, something would stand out to me, but it doesn't particularly... Maybe maybe Billy Gunn for getting a haircut. <laughs> joining, no. Joining the, the 1990s. That's a terrible thing. It's anti-man of the night. Adam, how about you? The Triple H Fatou match, I found the most enjoyable match. So I'll give it to that. And the MVP I'll give to Fatou for getting his head trapped in the ropes, taking some good bumps, doing a few decent moves... Generally, not being shit. And having a lovely new jacket. Yeah, well, his gimmick and his, and his outfit's rubbish. But he didn't really do anything too wrong. Right. So I'll give it to him. And he did some, some decent stuff. Yeah, I think that's actually a fair choice. Match of the night, I'm going to go to the tag match purely because of some of the double team stuff was cool. It wasn't exceptional, nor would I ever think or recommend it to someone that you had to see it, but it was probably the least offensive. The opening match was okay, but again, just nothing special. Pretty pedestrian, but decent. And MVP, nobody. Nobody deserves it. I, I, just I, nobody deserves it. I think we jokingly said that I that, that I should have chosen somebody when we watched it, but I can't even think who that I can't be. remember. Everyone was just uninspired on this show. Todd Pettinger. Oh, it was Todd Pettingill. That was it, Todd Pettingill. he wasn't on the, the actual show, he was only on the Countdown show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually, I, I, I think he's getting better, okay. if I'm honest. Well, he's getting less his offensive. screen time's going yeah, down. But, but I think the role that he's cast in now, and I think that it, it's good that they've given all those stupid segments, well, from uh, Todd Pettingill's sake, they've given all the really stupid segments to the doc, doc. because it just makes yeah. him look like an idiot. His role in this one is encouraging childhood obesity, though. <laughs> My only other note for MVP is maybe Shawn Michaels for his boo-boo face. This may have been his best acting for, performance for, yet. For, for managing to milk that for so long, yeah. Yeah, mullet of the night, Adam. Uh, there's some decent haircuts on display here. We already said, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler was sporting quite a nice one. Billy Gunn's gone way down in my estimation, but I'd... Bart Gunn's doing a nice job still. Right. But it's got to go to Marty Ginetti. Ah, returnee. For his Dave Murray impression yeah. and his fantastic flowing locks. I didn't know if this would be a sort of memorial award for Billy Gunn's hair. <laughs> no, he's dead to me now. Okay. Maybe you could just add like a third Billy Gunn top trump to your pack. 
as, as like with know, zero all, scores. Yeah, you, you know, you know sort of, there always seems to be like one really bad card in the pack. So like I remember having a pack of top trumps about steam trains, and you get like things like the Mallard and the Flying Scotsman with like really good top speeds. And there was just like this little old one with like a top speed of like about thirty. <laughs> And that was the one to avoid. Fair enough. Hmm, maybe I should do. So, where are the different places you can find us? Leicester. You can find us in Leicester, yeah. <laughs> on Facebook at facebook.com slash newgenerationprojectpodcast. We are also on Twitter. At the slightly less complex. <laughs> New Gen Podcast. We are on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash newgenpodcast and on Stitcher Radio as well if you search for us. All of our episodes go up as soon as they are available on piledriverwrestling.net and our old catalogue goes up one by one on Botchamania. If you want to do us a favour, you can rate, review and subscribe in iTunes. We're aiming for 50 nice reviews by our birthday, so we've got another two months to think I get about another four. So... We'd really appreciate I, the people I, that took us to 50. I, I think we've had some lovely comments recently. So if you're one of the people that have gone on and left us a nice review anywhere, not, not just on iTunes, but on other sites, then thank you very much for your generosity and, and your time. Yes. And actually, re- recently you had an interview that's just gone up. So it was... Um, the My Favourite Things podcast. My Favourite yes. Things, which I've given a listen to and I, I thought was very entertaining. Thank you. So, so yeah, go out your way to give that a listen. And just a couple of plugs I want to give today before we go for our friends over at History of Wrestling, whose latest book released this past week. If you've enjoyed listening to our shows and want more details on the train wreck that is 1995 WWF, then you definitely want to check out Titan Sinking by James Dixon. It's available over at lulu.com or it's less than a fiver for Kindle on Amazon. Oh, that's probably I'll get it then. I've raced through the whole thing in about a day, didn't I? Yeah, you actually did. And it's definitely worth a read. There's tons more info on the whole Syracuse situation in there and a whole section on the Randy Savage Stephanie rumours. So, Adam, you'll definitely want to read that. I will be borrowing that, yes. And lastly, this coming weekend, I'll be at the Nice Comic Convention in Bedford. We advertised it on here a few months ago and it will definitely be an awesome couple of days. Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon, Addy Granoff, Charlie Adlard and a ton of other comic artists and writers will be there. If you want to check them out go to www.nicecon.co.uk or follow at nice c-o-n-v on twitter i'm sure i'll have plenty to say about it next episode so maybe an anecdote from someone who isn't paul scrivens that would be interesting i look forward to that we could have maybe we should have an adam's funny story <laughs> section as well are you sure you want to push that just go on with a nice funny story you can be nice I, i'm not demonstrative about you that is true. Anyway, <laughs> I feel we've left on a rather sour note. <laughs> Episode 21 will be something a lot of you have been asking for and something we've definitely been looking forward to doing. Yes, we're returning to WCW on pay-per-view to look at Halloween Havoc 1995. I'm tremendously excited by that. I'm looking forward to this more than anything in a long time. Ad- Adam's hand is actually shaking with I'm, excitement. I'm quivering with mic. excitement. It's like you've just been slammed onto thumbtacks. <laughs> Because I, I kind of know what's coming, but I know there's a lot that I don't know. And we'll get to talk about the Dungeon of Doom load, so I'm really happy about that. My favourite stable of all time. Yeah. Apart from Right to Censor. Good one. My name's Stuart Brooks. Goodbye. I'm Adam March. Goodbye. I'm Paul Scrivens. See you next time. Aren't you, what was your name, Ice Stubble Scrivens? Oh, my name's Ice Stubble Scrivens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dildo. <laughs> <laughs>
As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not much left. There's not much left.